Nelson here. You can call me Mike. Call me Michael J. if you want. Some of my friends call me Michael, which is weird. Do they anyway, call you this is Ray or J. Oh, come on now. Is that for the kids? Yeah, it is. Thank you. For the youngsters Thank out you. there. Yeah. That's like from before I was born. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, 372 pages we'll never get back. And the other person talking is? The ancient, uh, belying his own real age, Connor Lestoka. You're an old soul, Connor. Mm. You're an old soul. Uh, this is the podcast where we talk about bad books. Um, we've done, what, how many did you say? This is, not, time, I think. this is book 19. I was going to say 20 and 19. Yeah, okay. Uh, and we discuss them. It's not bad books, though. I keep making that error. One, of, one or the other of us does every time. Books we do not expect to like. Yeah, B- books, we, we, that was our initial sort of laid out the ethos of the podcast. And we quickly realized that it was unfair and, you know, people started throwing around the term hate reading, which I was not a fan of. So we, we don't expect to like these, but more often than not, we're surprised. <laughs> and, yeah, there, and there's plenty to like, even if you are reading a bad book, I think. so. That's, yeah. Uh, and uh, boy, oh boy, in the case of this one, <laughs> from the, uh, the Ellis's, we have started to call them the... Uh, I, I always forget their names. Larry and Denise. Larry and Denise. Sorry, I got to get that in. <laughs> it's they're both you know sort of names you would cho- assign to comic characters if you were making a book about a husband and wife team writing a joint uh, teenage fantasy novel together. You'd probably name them Larry and Denise without even knowing about these two. <laughs> sure. Well, there's a lot of names in this book that one scratches one's head over as (laughs) well. Uh, But I'm holding the book in my hand. This is part one of Antigua, the land of fairies, wizards, and heroes. No punctuation in that. Well, there's a giant colon after Antigua. They saved the punctuation for the book. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Uh, And on the cover of this book that I'm holding is the the dragon Voraltrar. Well, I mean, it's not blue, so... In the in my hardcover, he is. Blue. Oh wow, really? I haven't seen the hardcover. Uh, I haven't really seen what it looks like. Let's get that. Oh, taken you a have the soft cover, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and the Vorultrar is not blue. Uh, Vor- well, there's a dragon on the cover of the soft cover, but he is red. He's your traditional sort of smoggy kind of dragon. Wait, I, I mean, how dare we discuss pictures on a podcast? But sure, <laughs> is the is the claw in the lower right? corner and then the face is on the left coming out of the spine of the book one second i have to take out my headphones to get it okay all right i'll vamp till that time i'll uh, sing a song to you know dream what i'm a possible dream I, yes i uh i mandela affected my own book here i, I okay. baron baron steen <laughs> buried it it's yes. uh, the dragon is blue uh in my mind uh, it was red i mean it's purplish you. but yes he's he's given the sort of you know, claw high five, and he's, he's okay. un- unmistakably blue. The background is sort of red. It's like a sunset. Yes, it's very red. Him, so. Okay, so you Bader Meinhof to yourself. Great. Got it. Amazing. Okay. Wow. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, this book is a, uh, a work of fantasy, um, as you might imagine. Uh, and uh, let's see, the story so far is that a dragon and an evil sor- sorceress are going to invade the land of Antigua, which consists of, well, four kingdoms, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, she's preparing to invade this evil sorceress with her dragon, Voraltrar, previously mentioned, mm-hmm. who is uh, decidedly blue and has never been red. <laughs> and, uh, and so in order to prepare, the kingdom is throwing a fair mm-hmm. uh, and, and sort of waiting around for a prophecy of a girl who's going to come from Britain. 
sort of waiting around is an odd way to put it because there's a <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of waiting around going on so far. But yes, there's a there's a prophecy that a girl's going to come from across the waters. I don't remember if they know what's across the waters. What and we're unclear about it too because she's either coming from Britain, Wales, London. Uh, pick name your take your pick of those. Well, all right. I'll get this out of the way right away because it's right at the front. Mm-hmm. She's from Wales? She's from Wales. Yeah, that is... I mean, so... <laughs> yes. So this whole time she's been speaking with a Welsh accent? Uh-huh. Yep. She's been throwing in that, when, that Welsh dialect every now and then? Yep. When she met Charlie E. the Octopus, she was... she was. I mean, I, I, I'm not even going to attempt what I... In my head, a Welsh accent sounds like. But yep, she's been... Uh, she, she always encountered town signs that had you know 55 characters in them to name a town she's been eating creamy leek soup the whole time mm-hmm. she takes offense to welsh rarebit she uh, uh she takes offense to the character uh who is it in uh henry v the the welsh character who gets they lampoon the welsh in that taffy was a welsh taffy was a welshman yes it's a the, the song that her uh the mistress headmistress of their orphanage rocked them to sleep every night singing taffy was a welshman and she never mentioned that before. I just thank you for not not calling me out on have absolutely having no idea what you were talking about with the Shakespeare play, but leaping into action with Taffy was a Welshman. Well, thank yes, I thought I'd throw you a <laughs> lifeline there. <laughs> um, uh, all right, well, it's anyway, a surprise. That, what does a Welsh accent sound like? I mean, oh my God, worse I would than I, n- you know, never in a hundred years. I mean, I've read. Um, I, I here's another one you're gonna love. I, I used to read a lot of uh, Kingsley Amos books. Sure, and he liked to lampoon the Welsh, and <laughs> so he would have Welsh characters. So I'd have to read it, going, "Okay, he's doing, he's speaking in a Welsh accent here, and I have to just pretend I know what conveyed that is. in in print." Yeah, Great. right, yes. Uh, all right. Well, should we get into it? Oh, by the way, we I'm sure we have all the departments. Today. Oh yeah, we have uh, some some devious fanfic today. We've got some inc- obviously some dumb sentences, and we've got some very impressive emails. So we've got to make sure we get to those because okay, you know, we issue a lot of uh, fan art challenges on here, and most of the time, no one takes us up on them. But people stepped up this time. We got a ton of them. Of fan art? Yeah, we got fan. We got maps of Antigua. We've got. Oh, um, thank God. We've got a. Very special one that I can't wait to send to you. So, uh, all right, <laughs> we've got a, right, a, well. a, a depiction of a wizard riding on a magic wand in the land of Antigua. Okay, good. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's a. The wizard comes from another intellectual property, which has been discussed during our Antigua um, uh, episode. So, I'll, I'll just okay. leave. I'll tease that. We'll get to it. All right. Well, we start at what would be in the book, although the book is non-canonical, so please don't... Uh, uh, chapter 10, I chapter think. Chapter 10, yep. Yeah, the mermaids Philiandra and Sharona. And Sharona, yeah. So keep in mind, this is... Um, we, we'll have two more episodes after this. So, so this is well well past the halfway point of this book that this happens. And um, this is the, the, the second appearance of Rebecca and the mermaids, who were introduced in the first chapter... And have not been seen since then. <laughs> but right out of the gate, we get that beautiful Ellis touch. Shrauna twisted her long hair to wring some water out of it. Philiandra flipped her long hair back and forth to get some water out of it. <laughs> it's two competing schools of hair drying. Uh, Larry, get over here and write a sentence. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> what did you write? Shrauna twisted her. 
Well, Philly Andrew twists her hair, gets some water out of it. <laughs> oh, God damn it, Larry. This is, uh, it's like a three-year-old, you know, copying their five-year-old brother or something like that. Right. Go ahead. Write another sentence. I'll write another one for you. It's not that hard. You changed a name and the method of hair drying, Larry. You both have to dry their hair. What is the problem? But it's, that's not how books work. You don't have to describe the same thing. We're doing something new here. We're doing a new book. <sighs> Larry, New things are. I'm going to the pool. Yeah, I bet you are. Larry and Denise, ladies. <laughs> um, and then that's this is sort of where we get the reveal um, of where she has come from because we've been very unclear about this. Uh, Shrondria says, "Well, we are here, human girl from Britain. Welcome to the land of Antigua." Rebecca looked around at the land of Antigua. She was amazed at how absolutely beautiful the land of Antigua was. It looked like a tropical oasis. Um, and it looked like a tropical oasis because there was beautiful exotic plants, trees, vegetables, and flowers growing everywhere. So, I mean, it's a tropical oasis. It doesn't look like one. It's, <laughs> you you right. don't emerge onto the beaches of Maui and say it, it looks like a tropical well, It is one. But were you a little bit surprised that Antigua was a tropical oasis? I was, actually, I, now I that you mentioned thinking, it. I, I was thinking, uh, you know, uh, blasted heaths, you know, and uh, uh, plains and rings of trees and copses. I, you yeah, know, I New was Zealand, thinking of, you know, the, the Lord of the Rings, Ireland type of thing. Yes. Well, anyway, it is a tropical <laughs> oasis. I, you know, or I guess if you're thinking about... The real Antigua, that might be what you were thinking. but Yeah, that could be, yes. <laughs> and uh, and Rebecca says, it's, this place has to be the most beautiful place I've ever seen. It is actually more beautiful than all of Wales. So that's the, the, the big reveal there is, is that, you know, clearly she said that in a, it is actually more beautiful than all of Wales. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that didn't come out well. <laughs> oh, boy. So, well, here's my question, though, about geography then. So did she jump into, I, I was thinking of her, you know, jumping into the channel. Mm-hmm. But apparently she's uh, jumping into the, one of the, the, North the port sea at or something? Cardiff. <laughs> she's jumping into the port at Cardiff, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I, for what I what I thought it was the Thames or something for, for going into the... Because that's oh. where she was trying to get to London, right? Oh, right. She <laughs> she jumped into the Thames? I thought it said a river. From Cardiff? Yeah. Um, from Wales? Yeah. Uh, if, we, if we weren't going to know what consisted of Great Britain and what consisted of the UK, we're not going to know specific Welsh rivers, so... I, I don't know. I've I have been to Cardiff once. It was uh, it was a great time. I, I will say the wind was blowing at literally seventy miles an hour and did oh. not stop. That look at uh, look at Dan Brown here. <laughs> <laughs> Specific location weather grudges. <laughs> well, actually, I went on to Fax King. I've never been there. <laughs> it's windy in Wales. But uh, so so Welsh Rebecca says, look at how green the grass is here. Look at all the beautiful trees and flowers. I could live here forever. And it just just reminds me that the clock is ticking on her brother, Billy, who she has promised to return and uh, and, and bring with her to to London. Uh, and he's wondering Wow, I thought that I lived in Wales. All of a sudden, I'm kicking around some orphanage house <laughs> in London. What happened to me? So that's exciting. I just, uh, you know, we, we love these moments where the, the, the ball is in the air and we're waiting to see if it, you know, if it, if it comes down as a swish uh, half-court shot or just an air ball. And, uh, you know, we, can, we're, we know what I'm hoping for. Uh, I think we would have to do a special episode where we just uh, shared our joy over the fact that we never returned to her brother. 
<laughs> try to come up with other examples of books that just leave characters Would stranded. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and then I, I like this one. The, the the mermaids are telling her to they can't go with her. You know, we live in the water. We'd shrivel up and die on this tropical oasis. But I, I like that they they sort of lapsed into some like. Uh, old old timey talk. They told her to you know go and meet our kings, Rebecca. Everything is going to be all right. Be of courage. <laughs> so I looked that up, and I guess that's you know that's that's like biblical talk there. Yeah, yeah. So it's exciting that the uh, the mermaids of the waters of the good side of the waters of Antigua talk like that. It's also it was pretty nice that she uh, she said, "All right, well, let's get going. You know, show me uh, show me where to go. I'll uh, I'll you know hook up with this uh, king and queen and everything." They're like, um, <laughs> "Yeah, excuse you know, like doing the gesture to their fish half going. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll, we'll just be flopping behind you in the dust for uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll be just we'll be uh we'll be we'll be taking in air oxygen through our gills because that's how that works." They said sarcastically. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it is, she's Rebecca, to her credit, would say you were the first characters introduced in this book, and there's been a hang time of uh, nine more chapters. You're you're, you're really going to not come on land after you're going to just disappear for the rest of the narrative here? Like, who's writing this garbage? Yeah, you weren't able, you had no spell or anything? <laughs> come on, man. And then we quickly get to some, there's a few, I feel like, Wizard of Oz parallels in this. Uh, uh, that's, this is where it fully goes Wizard of Oz yeah, for a but, while. But she, she walks into the westernmost province and reaches up to pick an orange. As Rebecca reached up to pick an orange from a tree, it talked to her. Which, uh, you know, just there's, there's a lot of here we go moments here. And that, is, and that is one of them. That's obviously one of the dumbest sentences in all of recorded literature, but <laughs> <laughs> there's a few that are made even dumber by their lack of punctuation, which yes. I, I don't mind putting down now because uh, it used to be like, ah, eh, don't pick on typos and stuff like that. But th- this is actually woven into the fabric of the book. Yeah. So I think it's fair. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Um, but she says, uh, this can't be real. I must be losing my mind. Maybe I'm hallucinating or something. Trees don't talk. But then again, I am in the land of Antigua and a mermaid did save my life. I guess I shouldn't be surprised. I guess anything is possible here. And then Rebecca said to the talking tree, I'm sorry, tree. <laughs> yes. Uh, the tree talks to her and says, uh, uh, and she says, no, tree, I'm, I'm not from the east or the south. I guess those are the only two directions you could be Sure, talking. yes. I'm from the other side of the waters of Antigua, a.k.a. I guess the River Thames or possibly the port of mm-hmm. Cardiff. I'm from Britain. <laughs> and then the tree does the, you know, silent shrugging the shoulders and doing the, uh, yeah. y- could you be a little more specific yeah. than that? <laughs> if you're going to eat my oranges, I'd like to have more specificity about where you came from. Maybe what? it's like, uh, you know, I, when I, when people ask where I live, I tell them, you know, eh, near DC. And then if they, you know, if, but sometimes maybe I'll say oh, I'm from Northern Virginia it's true. It's true. That is all dependent. You you are from many places at once. But sure. it is. Uh, I, I don't know why she decided on that particular thing after she made such a big hullabaloo about being from <laughs> Wales. So, uh, but next, what happens? I, I ask you to imagine this. Mm-hmm. You you are escorted. Somehow you breathe underwater. You're escorted to a new land, a tropical and beautiful place. I, I must say, an oasis, an oasis, and then the, you. Get into a little contretemps with a talking orange tree. <laughs> sure. And then suddenly, 
A bunch of monkeys came down out of the tree, making all kinds of noises while handing you oranges. What would your reaction be to this? I, I would say, here we go, uh, as I wrote in all caps as the monkeys start descending. <laughs> My God. <laughs> because as we've, uh, the monkeys have been teased for quite a while now. They were, they were uh, strong uh, appearances, real or fanfic. We all doubted that there would be uh, talking monkeys and We've awaited their arrival for a long time, so it's it's very exciting to finally get to encounter them. All kinds of noises, though. So All like, kinds of noises. Like, moo! <laughs> Welsh accents, sure. poorly done. Yep. Are they All doing kinds. Charlie Callis? Like, <laughs> Yes, yeah, that's what I imagine. All kinds of them. I like that the tree did, though. She was She wanted his oranges. It was an orange tree. And uh, finally, he said, at the end, he did say, take some of my fruit and nourish yourself. And uh, so I was hoping he was going to, like, wait for her to really, like, dig into one and be like, yeah, you know what that was? You know what part of me that was, huh? Yeah. He's, he's nodding. <laughs> I'm into it. <laughs> oh, I'm <dear>. German. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, I, have, I used to have that guy's name on the tip of my tongue. Fish? Uh, what? That's a different oh, cannibal. That's a different no different. Guy. Yeah, no, he's a different guy. Sure. Albert Fish. Yes. Yeah, no, no, different. great guy. Um, but we quickly, unfortunately, move away from the monkeys as they are making all kinds of noises, and uh, it, it zips us back using the uh, uh, seamless literary transition of just saying. Meanwhile, back at the castle, which is a favorite of this author, I haven't noticed it so far, but it's very prominent in these chapters. Uh, is it for you in uh, the middle of a sentence or like there's is there's no yes. paragraph break? Yes. Yeah, that's just, delightful. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> just like a full like just coming up behind you with like a blackjack and walloping you overhead with the scene transition. But this is uh, this is like, you know, characters of Antigua assemble. Mm-hmm. This is just we're just going to be given a list of everyone that has been, which is, I'm, I have to admit, it's helpful because she used to just <laughs> skip around to the kingdoms and I go, wait, who, which princess goes with who? Yeah. And where? And uh, so this time, I, uh, apparently they have a board with strings on it above their writing desk and uh, they were able to finally put all the characters <laughs> together. It is. It's like the final scene of the, you know, climactic Marvel movie where you've had a decade of these people and they finally appear on screen together and you think that's the greatest thing in the world craig if, by the way craig by the way is has a spreadsheet he's tracking the character count uh and he uh, says we're at 184 characters oh my god and he's tracked their alignments and like where they're from and stuff like that it's a very impressive piece of work wow yeah. so he would know then i was hoping that during this calling all characters thing if we had a spreadsheet like that, we could tell if someone was just left out just by, you know, huh, right. Like I see Knight Sir Barrington is here, but it would have been great if he was just not there. <laughs> <Yes>. like, <laughs> yeah. If there's, if there's an empty seat at the table where he once would have sat. Uh, so they all assemble and then the, the King calls for uh, entertainment. Mm-hmm. Oh, b- before that though, the King, I'll just give you an example of the humor of the book. Oh, please. Um, here in the, Land of Wizards, Fairies, and Heroes. King Thomason said, Even the lion thorn here knows the enjoyment of good food. Everybody laughed. <laughs> and that's because he he, he took a large bo- rather large bone and gave it to the lion thorn to chew on. The lion thorn was starving and at that point willing to eat anything. 
So when he starts, when the starving pet lion starts uh, chewing on this bone, that's when he said he knows the enjoyment of good food. And everyone laughs at this beast who's, I mean, you're not really getting a ton of nourishment from the from the bone if you're starving. Yeah, here's a pig's ear, Thorn. Right. Go chew on that for a while. I, uh, I, I also Thorn, was call... he mentioned before? Yeah, yeah. Thorn was the, he's... He's that king's pet. He just has a lion walking around. Okay, just as has we a lion. see later, gotcha. there are wild lions in here. So he's, you know, he's been kept captive. I think he was right. like, you know, that was the one that that uh, Janelle wrote in all the various facts about lions, where this was the one thing they sort of got right in this book. Okay, that's right. Uh, I just wanted to call attention to this. It was just a great stretch of writing. Um, the introduction of the queens and princesses at this banquet. Queen Ellen, God. Queen Eleonora Dora <laughs> wore a beautiful pink gown and a diamond yeah. and ruby crown on her head. Princess mm-hmm. Trina had a tiara made out of diamonds on her head. She wore a beautiful gown made of white silk. She looked beautiful. <laughs> so we're getting four, uh, three beautifuls in the four sentences there. It's great stuff. And I wondered, too, are we supposed to make anything of the fact that she had a diamond and ruby crown on her head? Mm-hmm. Trina had one made of diamonds. Made of just diamonds, yeah. So who who wins? I, you know, like, you know, I, I, mine is all diamonds. Oh, you have those crappy little rubies on yours? Neat. Yeah, I guess it's, it's, it's if they are, you know, if the diamonds are at the expense of rubies or if they're just adorned on top of them. And then, right. and then Princess Trina smiled when she saw her close friends, Princess Alexander and Princess Sasha. So how do you think that relationship stacks up to, you know, was it Princess Sasha who was had the close friend of the wizard Vlandorft? Oh, or were they right. just good friends? I forget. They were, they were good friends. <laughs> um, and the the entertainment that happens here is, uh, I think we might have covered this in a real or fanfic. The, the yeah, we did. Royal musicians with violins, flutes, bongos, drums, guitars, and harps. Yes, yep. Someone did some beat poetry. Everyone snapped their fingers. He played the bongos, yes. But also we got 10 beautiful belly dancers came out to perform for the royals. They all had on beautiful costumes. They had veils covering their noses and mouths, but you could still see their beautiful eyes as they danced. <laughs> <laughs> so so a, uh, a full-throated endorsement of uh, Burkus just from the, yeah. from the Ellis's, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but, but, but beautiful eyes... Uh, being betrayed by the uh, by the outfits. Well, so I'm already thinking. You know, when you're thinking belly dancers, you're thinking, okay, so this is some sort of Arabian, mm-hmm. if you will. Sure, uh, maybe that's an old term. After the belly dancers and Princess Trina finished their dance, eight men dressed in Arabian costumes. <laughs> so, so Arabia exists in this like. It, and it must be somewhat neighboring, I guess. Yeah, Antigua's aware of it. They have been they've influenced by it. They've had either people venture to there or people from Arabia venturing to Antigua to to trade and, and share their customs. Yeah, and, and we, we get the sense that this is not like, you know, Rome during the height of the Roman Empire, where suddenly you're seeing tigers and stuff. You're like, wow, this this kingdom really does stretch far. We get the sense this is a pretty close-to-off yeah, kingdom. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's maybe maybe it's just like, uh, uh, in, I don't know. It, it, it doesn't seem like it's um, authentic if they're just saying Arabian costumes. You know? Costumes, that's like saying, yeah. <laughs> that's like saying, oh, yeah, they're... Uh, they're they're Asian type of thing. Like, well, what do you what do you mean here? Yeah, yes. But it's uh, it's it's. I, I guess Antigua could be culturally appropriating this stuff here too. And maybe they just saw a, a movie or something and and decided that was uh, it's like their Coachella costumes. 
Right, because they also, uh, you know, they get the the cobra in the basket yep. while he plays <laughs> yeah, the plungy yes. and all that. <laughs> snake. They call him a snake charmer. So yes. Um, so as this is all is happening, they do have a, a snake charmer and, and fire eating and sword juggling and stuff. Um, Sasha is talking to Trina. She says, I can't do that with my sword. Princess Trina said, that's right. You're a sword expert, aren't you? Timothy was smitten and couldn't take his eyes off Alexandra. So like the, the, the princesses are all sort of like getting to, they haven't seen each other in a while, but they're good friends or they're catching up and everything. And Timothy is just sort of sitting there like staring at Alexandra, <laughs> a very off-putting presence throughout the whole thing. Oh, Timothy, he comes off no better than Jonathan in this section. No, yeah. But I'd like to just go back to, once again, there's there's a number of times uh, missed opportunities in this book. Okay. And, and this is the book really giving short shrift to, to something that I'm astonished by. The performers brought in performing elephants. Great, great sentence there. Who, when prompted to do so, are able to stand on their hind legs. <laughs> That's a good performance, I guess. Sure. They brought in monkeys on bicycles <laughs> and a performing lion. Wait, 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 wait. Stop, stop. Yeah, yeah. I understand what a performing lion is. I've seen that many yeah, times. Yeah, they're brought in by performers. It's you know. <laughs> Yes. But you just skip over monkeys on bicycles? Why isn't this book called Antigua, the land of monkeys on bicycles? Yeah, it's it's, you know, I was willing to accept hologram dragons and stuff, but this requires... A whole lot of backstory. The they did they have their own you know Wright Brothers bicycle shop here. Like the the mechanics of this were people welding the royal welders welding these things. I, I don't did a, know. did a, did a magician you know magic these these monkeys to be able to ride the uh, you know the greatest piece of technology in all Antigua. I, uh, it's it's stunning. I, <laughs> I recall, and I think I brought it up with you before, is one of the times I laughed the hardest in my life is uh, when David Letterman, whatever you think of him now, he, he used to be really funny. And when I was in college, everybody watched. You watched David Letterman. Who doesn't Letterman. think that he's still funny now? I don't know. There's some, some people he's have soured on. Friends of mine have soured okay. on. Anyway, in his prime, very, very funny. Written very funny, but he used to just have Zippy the Chimp come out. <laughs> yes. And they would do the long shot of the studio because Zippy would just come out and just roller skate everywhere <laughs> while smoking a cigar. And then they would do a, a tight on Dave and he would just deadpan Zippy the Chimp, everyone. <laughs> and I recall just roaring with laughter. So when I hear monkeys on bicycles, <laughs> I'm already, I'm like, yes, yeah. go, do go on, please. Right. And then they just stop. That's it. Yeah. It's, it, it, if there was any justice, these would be a major part of the effort to go and, and depose uh, the evil sorceress Gwendevier in the north. But uh, alas, I fear it might be the only moment we hear of them. Oh, if they were led by a vanguard of monkeys on bicycles, you know, screaming their war cries <laughs> as they rode towards the the uh, evil uh, sorceress. Ringing the bells, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden they were just wiped out by a fireball. <laughs> and then cut to Adagio for strings yeah, as yeah. the monkeys lie bleeding. Monkeys burning, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe no one even thinks it's odd that monkeys are watching them because they're just so like in awe of this this magical contraption that they've never seen before. It's 
You know, it's like uh, bringing back a, a, the first guy who had a music box created and people would just like sit around and look at this ma- mechanical thing playing a, a music. Yes. But uh, there's so. some sort of flex- flexible loop of metal, which <laughs> seems to be providing the power. To... <laughs> uh, the monkey is like, hello, I I am dressed as, as little Lord Fauntleroy here. I'm looking at giant lollipop as I ride this bike. It seems like you're really <laughs> not focusing on the attraction. I, I have a bow around my hat. Do you see this? <laughs> Well, like you said, uh, you, you said that you would you would laugh. Uh, going back to Zippy the Chimp, the he would be the highlight. I mean, the the a a tier of performing monkeys, right? I'm getting. I, I, th- I think he was probably a long time, nearly retired circus performer. But uh, yeah, sure. But like you, you know, in terms of you know, Zippy was going to be treated as as well as a as a performing monkey would be. Sure, I'm sure. getting was, sense yes. that these are like you know, uh, like off-brand like latvian circus monkeys here that are riding the bicycles you know they're they're the type of monkeys you would see like crusty the clown having backstage where he's like whipping them type of thing ah throw some uh throw some starburst to the lithuanian monkey yes, will yeah they always end up like jumping onto his face and clawing it like yes. fleas are popping off of them yeah they're very very mr teeny but uh, yeah your reaction to zippy is very much king thomason's reaction as the performing lion jumps through a fire-lit hoop. Uh, he, King Thomason clapped as the lion performed. He had a special admiration and respect for lions. When the lion Thorn saw the other lion, he let out a loud roar. Everyone laughed out loud. So there's the, uh, there, there's the, the bar for humor again. The, the starving lion sees another lion, potentially a mate he was separated from in the wild, who's now being <laughs> yeah, enslaved and forced to jump through flaming hoops, and he cries out to her, uh, and everyone laughs at him. Oh, wow. Yeah, that loud roar. Was it a, like, you know, if it could be translated into English, it's like, Betty! Yeah, no! <laughs> yeah it's uh, it's Meryl Streep's wail at the end of Sophie's Choice or something. Meanwhile, Thorne is trying to scrape the last bit of sinew off the dry bone he was given <laughs> while starving to death. Yes, he's trying to break the marrow to, to share it with this other lion who he knows is also being mistreated. <laughs> But who's not being mistreated is Timothy, because uh, Princess oh, Sasha yeah. and Princess Trina couldn't help but notice Timothy and how handsome he was. All right. Mm-hmm. Timothy uh, finally fleshing out, so to speak, the character of Timothy here. And uh, she has nothing to do with him, right? Uh, Princess Alexandra. Uh, uh, she's already put him in the friend zone, I believe. Yeah, but I mean, you, when you said he's being fleshed out a bit, it says they also couldn't help but notice that he seemingly had a crush on Princess Alexandra. He wasn't good at hiding that fact. Hmm. So what's going on here? Timothy yeah, is just, he? uh, he's, he's awkwardly crossing and recrossing his legs or something. He's, <laughs> he, can't, he wasn't even trying to hide his true feelings. He wanted everyone to know how he felt about Princess Alexandra. So he just... Uh, let it all flop out there, I guess, at the bank. <laughs> I thought it would be more like, Timothy, stand up and give a toast. Yeah. I, well, <sighs> uh, not much uh, one for public speaking. Uh, I, you know. I like to hold my napkin over my head <laughs> as I stand Look up. That. Look at that lion jump. Oh, everyone <laughs> laugh at him, right? That's what you're laughing at, not me. <sighs> Look at those monkeys riding bicycles. I, yeah? Well, who cares? Come on. Funny. But if he says he wasn't even trying to hide his true feelings, didn't the king previously say that they would be married someday? He did, but she's also given him the, the stiff arm, sure, right? Yes, yes, yes. There's she, no she way. Said, well, we're too young for that. I, but, I mean, if these, other, or if these other 
two princesses are looking how uh, handsome he is, that's, uh, you know, maybe he can work something out there. I also wonder, so they haven't seen each other in a long time. They're good friends, right? Right. My, the only thing I can think of is cousins or whatever. You know, all of a sudden you see them and now they're, you know, they're women. Mm-hmm. I, maybe the last time they saw each other, they were, you know, like grade school or sure. something. The first thing they do is like, huh, yeah, you're going to get it on with that handsome dude? <laughs> yes, like, very much Hey, so. what have you been up to for the last six years? <laughs> <laughs> they get right into it. Yeah, so. it really is. Um, the other, uh, the other people that are watching them sort of fawn over Timothy are the wizard apprentices. Um, and, uh, Brandon thinks it's amusing as does William, but Jonathan found the whole thing very nauseating. He stuck his finger in his mouth and pretended he was going to vomit. He rolled his eyes and shook his head at the three princesses. So he's, you know, he's stealing some of the, the sorceress's black cats moves here. He's doing like the, the sitcom, like, uh, uh, gag me with the spoon. <laughs> this uh, reminded me exactly of when I was in a choir in the third grade. I was acting like Jonathan in the back <laughs> row, thinking that no one was noticing me. And I think they made me wear a tie, so I was kind of doing like the, Ugh, I was adjusting my tie. And, <laughs> and my choir teacher like took me in front of the class the next day and just like dressed me down. Wow. <laughs> Like, I saw you the whole time, described my whole routine, and I was like, yeah, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> it was humiliating. Wow, did you did you but, quit? Uh, I, I couldn't. It was school choir. But he but he was my, uh, my grandma's next-door neighbor, so I would see him while I was, you know, just playing outside the house. Oh, and nice. He would, he'd just kind of stop, you know, mowing his lawn and look over at me menacingly. <laughs> You have to give him a little tie adjust then and run inside. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I uh, I was in like the church choir in probably like sixth grade, like the kids choir. And I, you know, I am, if people have heard, you know, riff tracks where Disembodio sings, I'm, I'm a, not a good singer. I don't know if, <laughs> That's true. or the That's model true. land is not her home. Um, uh, but I, I don't know why I was doing this, but I, at some point in time I was like, uh, I was making my voice like high to sing these parts. Like, you know, um, What's a song? What's a song I could sing here? Uh, uh, don't go breaking my heart. Don't go breaking my heart. I, don't, I was just singing that, and at some point in time, I was like, I don't know. I don't go breaking my heart, and I the, the being like, well, there's like a dozen kids here. She's never going to notice that. And the person was like, she pulled me aside, and she thought it was like puberty related. <laughs> I was like, I just oh, I just dear. stopped doing this, and I never went back to that. That was <laughs> having the uh, having the church children's choir teacher talk to you about your voice changing because of puberty was a uh, that's that's you know that's like Timothy giving a toast here. You can never recover from that. <laughs> oh, Timothy. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so, but getting back to the book, then they have a big, then these discussions start. Mm-hmm. And I got to admit, I don't have a lot of notes for these when they start their planning Yeah, and, uh, well, and talking about how they're going to do their, uh, you know, uh, which, which is always left foggy. Like, you know, when should we mount our attack? Like you should have been doing this a long time ago because we're more than halfway through the book. Uh, I just said like they say, how should we mount the attack? And then one of the impatient knights or princesses says like we should do it now. And then they say, please, princess, remain calm. We must. It's like they they individually had all three of the discussions in their own provinces, and then they got together and they're reprising them. So yeah, it's uh, it was sort of an eyes glaze over kind of moment. And and they keep restating what they're there for, which is like, isn't that 
we we kind of knew this already, but we get like three reprisals of that. So of uh you know we must prepare for battle then they have a meeting where they go like we're going to go to battle like all right <laughs> but this stuck out to me um so someone raises a thing of like no we have to wait for the we have faith and trust in the prophecy mm-hmm. uh, oh that's i guess william who who asked that and he says um i fear that the prophecy was not true i'm sorry young man Everyone in the royal conference chamber became very sad at the king's news that the prophecy was not true. <laughs> wow. Fake news. Yeah, that's, man, the king just sort of, uh, he wakes up the next day and that's the headline. And he's like, that was just a, I just said that off the top of my head. And uh, you're totally stock market tanks and oh my God. <laughs> it's just killing time. <laughs> my toast was failing. I, I just... Yeah, that's, that's hilarious. I didn't take up on that. Um, their hearts were broken and their spirits were low after the, that, that <laughs> yeah. news. Wow. No, no, I just fired off a tweet. That's like Elon Musk affecting a Dogecoin or something. <laughs> yes. Wow. Well, to his credit, though, I don't think this was specified. But if the king does does not believe in the prophecy, it may be because we're learning now that the the prophecy is uh, is is delivered by the head centaur of the unicorns. Oh, I didn't see. I, I may have skipped over specifics of the prophecy because I have some serious questions about that. Okay. So does it does it well, go into detail about Wizard it? Apprentice William said, you know, what about the prophecy of the human child from the other waters? The head centaur of the unicorns told us many years ago of this prophecy would deliver us from the sorceress and the dragon. Um, oh. And a, they had previously said, like, we, you know, we need to we need to go protect the head centaur of the unicorns. Um, she'll be destroyed if we don't do it. And evidently, she is the one that issued this prophecy. Um, she, head center, the but unicorn. no specifics of it. Uh, it doesn't say. It just says years ago she she prophesied this. I mean, William is a teenager, so it must have been within his period of time. Oh, this is a brand new prophecy, fresh off the. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's not a. <laughs> uh, it's not the sword in the stone that's been in the town square for years or something. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, it's just a new crackpot that's popped up. The uh, you know a new head centaur took over and sort of you know like like a new pope. They started issuing new edicts or something. Yeah, she uh, looked into her magic hat and had a new uh, new prophecy. Yeah, so all right, I mean, but that's the uh, that's the thing. But then yeah, so then the king says it's not true, and everyone gets sad, and uh, the centaurs, knights, fairies, and mini wads were beginning to give up hope. Um, they had no idea that the child from the other side of the waters in Antigua had made it to their land and was actually looking for the three kings. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, we go back to the land of Oz. Yes. Which we didn't know Antigua was. And uh, now we meet a character that, holy moly, mm-hmm. this this is a great character. If, I think this did come up in real or fanfic. Yes, and it was... I, I hope to God I said that it was fanfic. It might have been... I don't remember if it was in the bonus one or this one, but it's it was so unbelievable. Maybe, that's maybe I dunked it then. Maybe I got it right. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I, I, you would never... It would be insane to guess that this was a real <laughs> character. And the character, of course, is Gordle the Gorilla, who gets one of the greatest introductions in literary history. They were very noisy monkeys that were making all kinds of squeaking noises. Uh, so that's a little more clarity into the all kinds of noises they were making. They've dialed them there back. Was, from... There were squirrel monkeys, too. <laughs> oh, it says that? Oh, yeah, squirrel yeah, monkeys yep, jumping around. Yep. Oh. But then she saw a gorilla sitting in one of the trees eating a banana. The gorilla's name was Gordel. 
And Rebecca had seen a gorilla in the zoo in England before, but had never seen one this close before. So, I mean, just Why a... are we back to England now <laughs> yes. and not Britain and not Wales? Did she see it at the <laughs> Wales Zoo, at the Cardiff Zoo? Spin the wheel, and that's where he, uh, what part of that region she is in. But, but I mean, uh, a six-year-old's understanding of gorillas for the, the fact that they're sitting in a tree eating, right? Like... <laughs> Just a, a pure cartoon, like uh, a, a video game villain that's up there tossing bananas at you. I mean, yes, I would say uh, from kindergarten to third grade, maybe. You might have thought that, yeah. And Gordel like... the gorilla. Gordel the gorilla sat in a tree eating a banana. <laughs> um, but then we get a, a Hall of Fame. Um, I don't know what you call this part of speech, but uh, the introduction to his actual quote is, the talking gorilla yelled, <laughs> hey, you human girl, where are you headed? And the, she sort of says, like, oh, you know, I'm trying to get to, to Oz to see this. And he's like, oh, well, you know, I, I, I can take you there. Um, and she says out loud to herself, why not? I've already seen talking mermaids and talking trees. Why not talking gorillas? Uh, I also like that, uh, hey, you girl, hey, you human girl, no punctuation on that. It just makes it that much better. Hey, you human girl. <laughs> That's my Gordel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's sort of a uh, he's sort of a dirtbag. Yes, exactly. Um, and then the the monkeys stopped playing around in the trees. They stared at Rebecca in awe. The gorilla dropped his banana and gasped. So he's sort of uh, he's, his monocles falling out of his eye. He's doing a, a spit take. Uh, also, Gordel the gorilla says. You know, like, who are you? She says, I'm blah, blah, blah. He's, he goes, because I know everyone around here. <laughs> Gordo the gorilla? Yeah. He's like, uh, you know, he comes down out of the trees. He walks up to the blacksmith's place. He's like jingling the change in his pocket. Uh, hey, what's going on? Oh, hey, Gordle. <laughs> uh, what, what are you doing? Are you doing that sword for uh, uh, Sir Timothy or is that for Sir Barrington, huh? Uh, Gordel, I, I really don't have time. All yeah. right, hang on. I'm, I'm going to go over to the, uh, uh, to the dry goods store. I don't know. I'll, I'll see you later, uh, John. Oh, God, Gordel. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking he might be like the town councilman who just, you know, pops into the coffee shop and are like, hey, you know, you, you, how'd that, uh, how'd that new order work out? Like, did they, did the, the city workers fix the ramp in front of the store? That's great. Glad to hear it. Like, let me know if you need anything. He's just the sort of like the friendly mafia Don kind of guy who just helps right. everybody out, shovels old lady sidewalks. Right. And then is like, uh, has that unbelievable ability, which I have zero of to go. And how are, uh, yeah, right. you, you have three kids, right? How is Betsy? She, last yeah. time I talked to you, she was going into third grade. She must be growing up like a weed, yeah. you know, like, holy cow. How do you do that? She's still playing travel soccer. <laughs> <laughs> That's Gordle. Yeah. <laughs> so it's more like, Hey, you human girl, what's going on? Sure. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's, you know, he's a family man. He's uh, and later it's revealed uh, in spectacular fashion that, that, that the King knows who Gordle is. So we'll get to that. Uh, yes. But he, uh, he he sings and, and dances a song, and after he finished singing and dancing, Gordel caught his breath. He was a little short of breath. He was finding it difficult to breathe. <laughs> Gordel, yeah, Gordel. God, God, come on, help! Spider monkeys, get for help! Gordel's left arm went numb, <laughs> and he smelled burnt toast. <laughs> um, but the fact that we don't get Gordel's song, yeah, come on, how hard would it be to write Gordel's song? Put Put Larry on it. Yeah, really. Yeah, get get Larry to do a uh, a Jimmy Buffett parody. 
Larry, I've got Card Club, but I need a song for Gordle. Yeah, what's who's Gordle? Gordle is the gorilla. Please, oh, Larry, yeah, yeah, focus. Right. No, yeah, Just, I know. I know what a it's a gorilla is. song for you know he's eating a banana okay. and jumping around. Yep. He's scratching under each underarm, sure, sure. and he sings a little song. Got Just it. write it and have it by the yeah. time I get back from Card Club. Nibbling on banana cake, watching my lungs ache. All of these monkeys, coconut oil. <laughs> That's pretty good. I think I could I could play that. Is there an open mic tonight, honey? She left. Oh, boy. I hope she's bringing back some Malibu. I'm running low. She comes back. He's passed out in a chase lounge. <laughs> she looks at the typewriter. There's, like, oh, there's dirt on it. and <laughs> Typewriter, oh, huh? God. That's what he's working on with the, down there? He's, he's got his old, uh, what, Remington? <laughs> uh, Underwood. He's banging away at his old Underwood. <laughs> Uh, all right. So no song, which is just a huge, huge mistake. I put the note, do this song if feeling ambitious. And I was not feeling ambitious. <laughs> so I guess that's the, uh, they took the same out there as well. Uh, so he, uh, he leads her on in true, uh, Wizard of Oz style mm-hmm. or a, a little bit of, um, Chronicles of Narnia here, I would say as well. Okay. Bringing her to his secret home to meet, um, Gordle was my favorite character. <laughs> Glendra Gorilla becomes quickly becomes my favorite character, maybe in all of literature. All right, yes. Yeah, Glendra. Yeah. Uh, give, give us a little Glendra. Well, when Gordle Gorilla and Rebecca got home, he opened up the front door to his... Uh, he lives in a cave in the mountains. Um, yes, a beautiful, a beautiful... There's a waterfall cave. covering, yes. Uh, and uh, Glendra says, Gordle, honey, is that you? Gordle asks sarcastically, were you expecting another gorilla? Glenda Gorilla yelled from Bubo's nursery, Don't be silly, honey! Gordle, have you been up in the trees monkeying around with all those monkeys? Honey, you know it's getting late. It will be dark soon. So I assume that wakes Bubo up. Like, that's if she's yelling from his nursery. Yeah, she's like rocking him to sleep and then <laughs> turns to yell and then, uh, at Gordle in the other room. Who, by the way, gives a legitimate joke when he comes in. Gordle yelled, hey, honey, I'm home <laughs> before she. And, you know, I figured that joke was really landing with the uh, kindergarten to uh, uh-huh. eight-year-olds who think that gorillas sit in trees eating bananas. So that was, <laughs> right. you know, jokes from like the Flintstones yep. or something. They you know? expect the, uh, the the 1950s suburbia tropes to uh, that. That's what the, that's what the kids want. The kids give their kind of light applause when they say that. <laughs> uh, and then she says that, Gordel, I know you didn't invite a guest over to this cave with cave with this place looking like this. Sometimes, Gorilla, I don't even have the sense you were born with. So, again, uh, 1950s TV moms uh, catchphrases there saying that they don't have the sense they're born with. And also, she chastises Gordel. Gordel, have you been up in the trees monkeying around with all those monkeys? <laughs> And then she says that she's been uh, staying in all day, taking care of their, you know, working her fingers to the bone and all of this. So what is going on? What, how do, how do the, the uh, gorillas, I assume that's their last name, mm-hmm. Gordel and Glendra and Bubo, how, how, do, they make, how do they make bank? Uh, I mean, he goes up and plays in the trees with the spider monkey. Or yeah, the, uh, he's, sorry, squirrel monkeys. Well, he's Larry. He's up there writing songs and hanging out with the spider monkeys like the... They're his, his bar buddies, and 
She's, she is working her fingers to the bone. It's, I mean, it sounds like it says she was exhausted from doing chores and caring for a tiny gorilla all day long. So yeah. the chores involve, I guess, straightening the place up, which she didn't do because she said it's a mess. Um, I don't know if she's uh, taking care of, you know, how she has to reroute the waterfall, if that like springs a leak, if there's like stalactite maintenance in the cave. Yes, I, I guess. And uh, But then, um, so Glendra does her... Or I'm sorry, Glendra asks, you know, Rebecca, what's, oh, what, what are you doing here? Why, who are you? And uh, she gives the whole spiel, which then in this book becomes like, I, I believe they call this a peroration when you just keep saying the same thing over and over again or repeating it in different beats. In Antigua? <laughs> yes. So she gives her paragraph and a half of, you know, where, you know, I'm the, the maiden, the mermaids, Philander and Shrana came up and blah, 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 blah on and on and on. Uh, and then she goes, Gordel, where did she say she was from? <laughs> did I hear her right? <laughs> yes, honey, you heard her right. Then he says, you know, that these times same are stuff, over. Yeah. yeah, same stuff. The evil witch's days are numbers. And then Glendra, this is where she becomes my favorite character. <laughs> Glendra Gorilla started running back and forth in the cave. She was a nervous wreck and she was hysterical. <laughs> now... If you're a child from um, Wales slash Britain slash mm-hmm. England slash London mm-hmm. and a giant gorilla starts <laughs> running back and forth hysterically in the cave, baring teeth, probably grunting, making those aggressive advances. Yeah, doing the King Kong, you know, the beating the beat. chest. Probably going yeah. like because she's nervous and hysterical. What is happening here? Do you have any idea? Uh, I, I don't know what we're supposed to take away other than, you know, a, a, a cartoon character, just like, you know, when they're told the boss is coming over. Oh, my God, I've got to. But then the, what about the I don't even have anything to make it. And then you got to do the slap slap, you know, pull yourself together, Glendra. <laughs> but but it just seems. So did she toss the babe boobo to. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to Gordel. <laughs> Did she hand it to... Uh, anyway, that's omitted. So I assume she's running back and forth hysterically with a child in her arm. Yes. Um, uh, I, but I, I, yeah. curious moment. You must be assumed. And she's part of the reason she's so freaked out is because she, she knows the big-eyed owl will be uh, have, have spotted her. So she's, she's aware of the evil sorceress's owl. Everyone knows she has that. But we also had, I think, my, f- my favorite adverb... I'm going to make two bold claims here coming up about two of my favorite things ever. This one I think is probably true. Uh, my favorite adverb usage in all of in all of literature. Uh, when Glendra is introduced to Rebecca, Glendra looked at Rebecca and said non-caringly, "Oh, it's a little human girl." <laughs> wow, I missed that. Non-caringly. <laughs> uh, I mean, just the twisting yourself into inventing a way to say something that we all know how to say already is pretty amazing. Wow, I missed that. But then we Not... then we then we get this one, uh, which answers your question about the baby. And this is my my favorite sentence in the book. Uh, Time is of the essence. If we don't get her out of her right away, she could be harmed, and the land of Antigua will be lost to the evil sorcerers forever. Glendra Gorilla grabbed a bottle of cow's milk and gave it to her baby gorilla Bubo. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it just filled me with joy as I read that. The needless specificity of the cow's milk. Giving it to specifying the baby gorilla Bubo and it being kicked off by Glendra Gorilla is just a, it's a symphony. Uh, it gets better though. 
she forgot about because she was giving uh, uh, cow's milk, sorry, to mm-hmm. her baby. She forgot about Rebecca and Gordel. When she realized what she had done, she slowly went back into the cave and smiled innocently. She whispered, oops, <laughs> I, I forgot the child from the other side of the waters of Antigua. And of course you, honey, my bad. <laughs> and then Gordel said, which I think is correct, honey, you really ought to get a grip on yourself. You are losing it. I leave you at home with our son all day? How many of these hysterical freakouts are you having? Followed by whispered, weird, whispered things. Yeah. And, oh, my God. Oh. You are losing it, honey. Are, honey, are you day drinking? Just be honest <laughs> yes, with me. Really, yeah, we can get you help. I'm just imagining uh, Larry having like a sort of like yellowed tank top T-shirt with like a, a big dog's you know, logo on it that says like Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And the dog is just saying, you know, you know my bad type of thing. Like that, that's got to <laughs> yeah. be where that comes from. uh unexpected for to have the uh gorilla mother uh say my bad yeah uh we also get into the the owl which they what they didn't know was that orin the sorceress's owl was up in a tree spying on them so glendra's uh paranoia was was proven correctly he had been flying around cautiously throughout the day spying on the inhabitants of the land of antigua he said hoo hoo and blinked his, blinked his big beautiful owl eyes <laughs> and i thought i thought he had a magic telescope but he doesn't he just he flies all around and then the queen sees what he sees through his crystal ball he's a drone yeah. yes but so he's he, just a drone he does have to be in the vicinity of who he's spying on he's not just like a a, a seer from the top of her tower her sauron tower that can look anywhere he does have to go um follow around his his charges it's good to know, though, that even if Orand had been wearing a veil, uh, you could still tell that he had beautiful, yes, big, yeah. beautiful owl it, eyes. It does sort of it makes you reevaluate how beautiful all those other belly dancers and princesses were and yes. uh, the tiaras of diamonds and stuff. Uh, so then we go back to the, uh, the castle, uh, the evil sorcerer's castle. and uh, In the north, where relatives rarely north. visit. Right. And uh, here we get uh, we get a couple of traits from the cat, which I I just find, I, I mean, how, what do we get from the, the the seven knights? The seven each have one particular trait, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, wise, impatient, reading magazines, all the standard traits, the standard ones, wearing glasses, <laughs> and and tell me just okay, quick quiz, what is the cat's uh, what's the cat's trait? I mean, he's sassy and sarcastic. He's nah, yes, that's true. That is one hundred percent true. But he's also extremely vain and looking at himself <laughs> in the mirror all the time, and is chubby. Three traits for the black cat. Wow. I mean, come on. That's a, 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 a as fleshed out a character as you're going to get here. Yeah, because the, the cat is looking in the mirror saying, what a fine-looking cat I am. I look fantastic. Look at my coat. Look how shiny it is. And then he says, look at my perfectly trimmed whiskers. Look at my tail and how perfectly trimmed it is. But they spell it P-E-R-R. Yes. So they went for a joke and just like slipped on a banana peel and crashed through a plate glass window. Uh, but I, I do like that the cat, so then the it, every single time, then the... Uh, the evil sorceress does something. The cat or screams at it or turns it into something. And then it always does the, uh, 
uh, the dad from Christmas Story, like, reckon. <laughs> what did you say? I said you're really nice and stuff <laughs> every single time. Yeah, it's uh, it's very much a, a Disney villain who has a an animal like that. I think uh, yes. the parrot in The Lion King or the, the parrot in Aladdin, I guess. Right. But yeah, she says, we don't have time for your vanity at this time. And then he says, when he, he whispered to himself quietly so the sorceress couldn't hear her. Oh, yeah, I guess it's a woman. Uh, you ugly, evil, touchy, bad-tempered troll witch. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I think that uh, the cat could be could be shaping up to, to defect at the end of this, to sort of betray the, the witch. I think they're, they lay it on pretty thick here. Uh, final show off between Jonathan and the cat, perhaps. Yeah, I don't know. which one? They're going to change places, maybe. Or the uh, the wizard turns Jonathan into a cat, and then they 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 do a body swap. If that happened, that would I mean like, like the greatest book of all time. Uh, I did like though that the the sorceress and the cat uh, decide to take a look into the crystal ball to see what their owl is spying on. Sure. Guendevier walked up to her crystal ball and waved her hands over it. When looking through the crystal ball. Gwendevier saw nothing but smoke. But after the smoke cleared, she could see clearly. <laughs> she saw and heard the two gorillas leading Rebecca toward the marketplace. So you have to imagine she's like, well, this, you know, give it a couple whacks. Like, this thing is not picking up anything that's actually happening here. Like, come on, right. stupid ball. Like, let's see what's actually happening in Antigua. Like, uh, armies amassing or, uh, you know, the, uh, the, source, the, the princess is practicing archery. Gorilla, what the hell? Yeah, cat, go up and grab the antennas and just hold on to them for a second. Yeah. Okay, move it to the right. Yeah, yes. just stay right there. No, the other right, cat. Don't move. <laughs> but so she, the evil sorceress, this is her trait. She turns things into other creatures and then quickly turns them back. And she does this concurrent, like within a paragraph yeah. to two different creatures. You have to imagine there's a lot of like J.O. gestures going on after she's turned. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, I became a rat for a second. Yeah, yeah, it really. Yeah, please my day. don't do that to me again. Now, can I get about my day? <laughs> yes, really, I have way to gain tell- here. <laughs> yes, I've got to go start telling people to make steel weapons. Okay, so <laughs> trolls. Uh- <laughs> but they, uh, the 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 witch is is not is not super subtle because it says a look of pure evil came across her face, um, which would be a great time for her her family to surprise her with one of their rare visits. <laughs> we'll yeah. we'll just back out the doorway here. It looks like you're busy. <laughs> but she says uh, they think that the child is going to destroy me. Well, they're all wrong. I will destroy the human child before she destroys me. I will burn her in the fire ritual, as the prophecy states. So I think this is the first mention that that's how the 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 sorceress has to prevent this from happening, is to burn a child in the fire ritual. And we can only hope that it's different than the uh, the fire ritual in Trucking Through Time. Um, oh, God. <laughs> we, we can only hope there's no Charles E. Harris influence here, I think. Uh, I had forgotten that because I, I had a lot of questions about the prophecy coming up. But uh, yeah, okay. So that's that's her out. The prophecy gives the queen an out. Uh, in other words, the prophecy's not really a prophecy if it could go one of two ways. Sure. Right? Yes. If they, in case of prophecy, you know, pull the fire ritual lever. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So she turns uh, Gozarf. Yeah. Uh, great. I, I hope you heard the two R's there in Gozarf. Yes. Uh, Gozarf is like the head um, goblin. Yes. So he, so he has to go and, and whip the trolls 
into making more steel weapons, Mm -hmm. which I love the specificity of it. Like they had already been doing this. And so I guess when he leaves the room, they just like take a smoke break, you know, (laughs) take those folding chairs out and they put their legs up on that. And they sit back and read, uh, you know, the auto auto car times or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And then he has to come in and go, go, what did I, we have to make the steel weapons. I'm in big trouble here. They're barking up my snorkel, man. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe the trolls have a strong union or something like they don't have to, they've, they've bargained for breaks. Yeah. So anyway, he, he whips them back into shape and, and they start making the steel weapons. So, I mean, I guess if, if the other, if the kingdom, if the, the United Kingdom, uh, the three had any reconnaissance, they'd know that like, she's not going to get her shit together for like another six months. Right. I mean, yeah. the steel weapons aren't ready. I mean, we should just attack. Troll craftsmanship cannot be up to our welder standards. I mean, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, but then, uh, so it, Wait, so let me just he, show you. I, I wanted to share how, her conversation with Gozarf because it was it was very interesting. Oh, okay, good. she yes. just says, "Yeah, we cannot help to win a battle without those weapons. Make the trolls understand, Gozarf. They will listen to you. Do you understand me, Gozarf? If you fail me, Gozarf, I will personally place your head on a platter and feed it to my alligators. Am I making myself clear, Gozarf?" So she's doing the unsettling used car salesman or politician thing, where she just says your name a whole bunch when she's talking to you. I got to tell you right now, Gozarf, we are going to get you into this charger because you know what? Women love a charger, Gozarf. Okay, well, I should probably run this by Gozarf, I know what you're thinking. You want to talk to your dad. Your dad is going to tell you what I'm telling you, Gozarf, and that is this charger with this model of engine is going to get you so much tail, Gozarf. You know what I'm saying? All right, let's get you in. I I, I told myself I would not come out of here without a car. I just wanted to shop around. Goes uh, see what the Ford, Ford get, dealer just says. Just get in the get in the get in the. Can I have the, my keys Gozarf. back? I know you said you get needed to inspect my car seat. for trading value, Gozarf, but I'd like them back I'm now. Da- I'm not taking no for it. I gave you a coffee, Gozarf. God, uh, is the printer still broken? Because off we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very unsettling. Yes. I'm, I'm going to start doing it to you as we do the podcast. All right, <laughs> Mike. Uh, so the sorceress Guendevier yelled, "What is it now, cat? Uh, did you read that part, Mike?" <laughs> uh, I'm already creeped. <laughs> just, she says, "Does what I just said disgust you? Remember, the alligators would like to eat your head as well. So the alligators are just uh, a bunch of weirdos down there that are just like they they want to eat heads. Uh, the the lions here eat bones. The gorillas eat bananas, and the alligators eat heads. That's what they do." <laughs> The alligators are like uh, that weird thing that uh, killer whales do where they kill sh- great white sharks and they only eat their liver. Really? And then just leave. Yes. Wow. So they find like seven sharks uh, floating up on shore, meticulously livers removed. <laughs> <laughs> what are you guys doing out there? It's a delicacy. It's our Carl. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So, so th- I think it's worth revisiting Frying Pan Mouse. Okay, sure. Yep. We We go back to that. This was a... I think a masterful real or fanfic. I assume I got this one wrong. This was in the bonus, I think. And I think you said no one would fault me for thinking this was fanfic, but I think you guessed real. I think it was just, you were just on the, in the zone. Who can, who can tell what your thought process were? <laughs> but what it is, is just in case you missed that. And some of you probably did miss it is we just kind of caught two. you know, we got all this action going on. Uh, the black cat walked into the kitchen and started eating cat food from her bowl. Sure. Mm-hmm. She's chubby. Yeah. 
Suddenly she saw a mouse in one of the corners of the kitchen. The mouse was trying to carry a small piece of cheese into its small hole. When the mouse saw the cat, he dropped the piece of cheese and ran as fast as he could across the kitchen. The mouse was just about to run into his hole in the wall when the cat jumped right in front of the hole. <laughs> so Tom and Jerry, uh-huh. uh, blah, blah, blah. The cat ran right after him. The mouse ran up onto the counter, over the sink, and over the kitchen cabinets. The mouse grabbed a frying pan and then hit the sorceress cat upside her head. The cat became very dizzy and then passed out on the floor. Not the last time that's going to happen. <laughs> yes, fantastic. Yeah, it's a, you know, cut to an action scene. And, uh, you know, if anything, this screams Larry, I think. Um, you know, there's probably a, a, a Tom and Jerry on, on you know, Toon Network at 3.15 in the morning. And he, he saw it and uh, Denise woke up to find that in the document. Yeah, this is, you know, when you're writing a script and you just like, I'm going to just leave this to the storyboard, guys. I don't know. There's some sort of action scene or something. And at the end... Uh, the cat's passed out on the yeah. floor. Cartoon birdie circling his head. <laughs> okay, I think I, I'll I'll figure that out. I'll write a slapstick bit. Here you go. <laughs> Frying pan. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I was imagining, you know, you you're doing the running, and all the other pans are hanging, and they they hit his head as he's running through them, and it it, it sort of plays do re mi fa sol la ti do as he's <laughs> trying to right. trying to get past them. <laughs> right. All that was missing was his head getting stuck in something and, you know, having to pull it off with a uh, slide whistle effect or something. Or, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, but I think that's the – is there a natural break with um, – in the book, I think. Uh, uh, there is I a natural break. We, we get to uh, – I'll just run you through what happened at the end because it says back – it doesn't say meanwhile, but back at the castle of King Arthur, um, we get some good uh, aliens describing human talks here. Like we 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 said, that's always the room is like a movie that was, um, you know, aliens that got a little bit right about humans, but not entirely there. Oh yeah, the young wizard apprentices and Timothy got together to hang out around the castle. They were joking and horsing around as young men often did. <laughs> so the, oh yeah, oh I I just had forgotten that there was this whole description of the fair. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So this is not the end of the book, but this made me think because here they are again. It's describing. It just re-describes the fair. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, but uh, the entire kingdom together, one very small concentrated area, couldn't Gwendevier, is that her name? No, Gwen. The evil well, sorceress, Gwendevier. Evil sorceress. Yeah. You just send the dragon now. Yeah, right. <laughs> Even the hologram of the dragon. Yeah, I mean, hologram, then real dragon, like back to back. Instead, the owl is, you know, his reconnaissance is to chase around a gorilla or whatever. <laughs> like, you've got everyone together at, at one time. This is the greatest failed bit of reconnaissance in all of history. Yeah, especially because we later learned there's an additional part to the prophecy that requires uh, the three princesses to team up with the girl from, from Wales. Um, yes. So, you know, you could strike now uh, while, while they're all together. Right. Um, but so what they do here is they they decide uh, Princess Sasha decided that they that her and Princess Trina and Princess Alexandra would have a practice session together and let everyone in the castle watch. So uh, it's very much like a, you know, oh, our, our eight year old wants to come in and sing the national anthem at our dinner party here. We're going to let everyone watch. And the mini wads are being like, oh, my God, <laughs> they're going to make us watch these 13 year old girls twirl their magic sticks like this is awful. <laughs> um, and the the only other note that I had, I think, was it says that 
the, the, the fair where, you know, it lists the creatures yeah, that yeah. are there, mini oh, wad yeah. centers, gnomes and animals. Um, it's packed with inhabitants. Everyone was there to eat and purchase foods, fruits, vegetables, and items that the women mini wad had made. And I just want, I wanted one example, you know, just, yeah. <laughs> what do women mini wads make? <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they made a, 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 a bootleg, uh, handheld Nintendo system that plays all the ROMs that they downloaded. They have access to, to high-tech electronics that surprises you. But then it says, little human children and miniwad children ran everywhere. And it just reminded me of how, in order to make, you know, Star Wars seem more exotic, they would always have, like, the the human kids pod racing, and then there'd be, like, one kid in a Greedo mask. Yeah. You know, that's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a miniwad there, too, because this is space. So, you know, that, that, he's just running around with them. <laughs> Uh, they were chasing each other and playing tag throughout the marketplace. Even dogs, roosters, chickens, and rabbits were running around the marketplace. <laughs> Whoa, even dogs? The most common household animal there is? Now, pigs, goats, horses, and cattle, were they running around the marketplace? I hope so. No, they were being auctioned off. <laughs> so... <laughs> well, no, no reason to... Uh, the, the roosters, chickens, and rabbits... The roosters and chickens, by the sure, way. Sure, right, yeah. And rabbits were running around. The pigs, goats, and horses and <laughs> cattle were being auctioned <laughs> off. It was a horror show for them. <laughs> yeah, right. They killed them where they stood because the Miniwad uh, women needed some more food to sell. Oh, yeah. So uh, is that the end of that? I'm sorry. Yes, it is. Yeah, it, okay. it says that they, uh, they, they all knew that one day they were going to have to go and battle with the evil sorcerers Quindevier. They used this time to enjoy their way of life. In the land of Antigua. It's the calm before the storm. Ah, there we go. All right. That was chapter... Chapter 10. 10. uh, Let's, uh, let's... This is only two chapters today, so let's use this break to get into some fanfic. And now I bet they bitching because my flow switching. Trying to tell me what to write about some fanfiction. Can't they just be happy? I no longer have to face eviction that I'm living on my life. I'm living on my inner... All right. So this is going to be Real or Fanfic, the popular segment we do here where listeners write their own fanfic about... Antigua, land of fairies, wizards, ghosts, miniwads, uh, bad attitude foxes. We'll get to that. Gorillas. Uh, gorillas. <laughs> Baby gorillas. And uh, we try to confuse Mike about which of them are the fanfics written by our Patreon supporters and which are actual excerpts from the last uh, last few sections of this book. We're nearing the end. Um, but yeah, again, mentioning the Patreon, that's patreon.com slash 372 pages. Uh, lots of fun stuff over there. We did uh, a Meet the Authors with Bill Corbett of, of Rift Tracks this week, um, where he, he portrayed a, a playwright. Mm-hmm. What else have we had up there? I, I, I did a deep dive into a, a, a popular rap sample. Uh, you posted classical minis, all sorts of nonsense. Yeah, people really liked your, uh, your, your rap deep dive. Good, because it took some effort. Yeah, you're you're producing. I'm just throwing crap up there. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we appreciate everyone who does that, and we will uh, probably hype it again because someone wrote an email about the Patreon, so we will touch on that. But patreon.com slash 372 pages. Go support it. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right, ready to do it? Yeah. All right. I'm eating something. Um, here we go. Eating on Mike. Eating on what, Mike. what kind of professionalism is this? Right after I, I compliment a, your professionalism. Making a your, pitch for money. Your Bugs Bunny. <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm drinking cow's milk. Uh, fanfic or uh, real. Here we go. Number one. Yerwin 
stopped walking suddenly and put up his hand in a stopping motion. Timothy, the Princess Alexandra, the Wizard of Princess William, and the Wizard of Princess Brandon all stopped too. Princess Alexandra looked at Timothy. Yerwin said, Do you hear that? Everyone listened. Princess Alexandra, Princess Alexandra whispered, Yerwin, I can't hear anything. Yerwin looked at Princess Alexandra and said, Exactly. No birds chirping or monkeys playing. Even my superior elf ears cannot hear a sound. The Princess Alexandra readied her bow. The Wizard of Princess William, the Wizard of Princess Brandon both held out their wands and nodded to the princess. Yerwin yelled, Snakes! The heroes began to run through the forest. They were being surrounded by the evil sorceress Gwendevier's evil snakes. Their red eyes looked evil. Each snake with fangs as sharp as knives. Poisonous black venom dripping from their teeth. Okay. Uh, that's good. Doing the, <laughs> the action movie trope. It's quite possible Larry had just seen an action movie and it's quiet. Too quiet. Too quiet. <laughs> uh, and he put that in there. But I'm going to say fanfic. All right. Number two. Aethroth heard a noise coming from the woods, and then suddenly he found himself and Lady Alamage surrounded by ten rebel knights with swords. The ten rebel knights had their swords pointed right at the head of the eagle man, Aethroth. Aethroth looked, at, looked all around at the rebel knights. He pleaded, please don't hurt me. We mean you no harm. The rebel knight, Antoine, said, look at what we have here, fellows. We have a wounded damsel and a skinny kid. The rebel knights laughed. Aethroth wasn't amused. He asked, who are you calling skinny? And who are you calling a kid? I just want you all to know that I am 17 years old and soon to be 18. I am a man, and I'm not just any man. I am Aethro the Eagle Man. The rebel knight Dwayne said sarcastically, The eagle man you are? Well, we're all terrified. The rebel knights laughed out loud again. They all put their swords away. None of them saw Lady Alamage or Aethro as any kind of threat. Aethro stood up and backed up. He opened up his wings and spread them out wide. The rebel knights were stunned. The rebel knight Shamar said, Hey, fellas, will you look at that? The young lad is an eagle. The rebel knight Laurent said, Well, he does have wings like an eagle. All right, see, here's where it gets difficult. That should obviously be fanfic. <laughs> but people know I've been biting on things like uh, calling Gordle the Gorilla real, and so now yeah. they're inventing new Gordle the Gorillas. Cat frying pans. For me to to fool me. Uh, but I don't know, just because I'm a, a betting man, I'll say that's real. Okay. Uh, number three. The wizard apprentice William continued his search for the master wizard Vlandorf's magic wand. William walked carefully through Blackwoodsberry Forest. He could hear the crickets chirping. He heard an owl up in one of the trees. He heard in the far distance deep into the forest a wolf howling. He even thought he heard the sound of a witch screaming deep in the woods. Suddenly, William heard a strange noise. He didn't recognize the noise. Then he heard the noise again. It was like a snorting sound. Out of nowhere, a wild boar ran through the forest right towards William. The boar was a type of wild pig. The wild animal was over 300 pounds and it was five feet long. It had a thick black coat, was dirty, and smelled really bad. William didn't have time to worry about the wild animal's physical appearance. He was too busy trying to save his own life. The wild animal made a loud shrieking noise and advanced right toward William. The wizard apprentice William ran through the forest as fast as he could. The wild boar would not give up. It just kept running after William. The wild animal wanted to gore William. The wizard apprentice William climbed up a tree to escape the wild boar. The animal circled around the tree trying to figure out a way to get to William. The wild boar was hungry and wanted to get to the wizard apprentice William. <laughs> well, a lot of noises in that one. Um, 
which you know, which is real. It's uh, well done. I, I'll say fanfic. Okay. Number four. Quiet, Joey Boo. Mozaba snarled. <laughs> My father swore his allegiance to the sorceress before you were born. We will see this through. The sorceress's black cat walked in and sat between the two huge panthers. She looked like a tiny kitten between the two panthers. The black cat said sarcastically, You boys are all muscle and no brains. You don't need to take orders from that wicked woman. You were strong enough to destroy her whenever you feel like it. Why do you even listen to her? Mozaba growled, I should make a snack of you, little cat. Joey Boo said, No, hold on, Mozaba. Let's hear what this cat has to say. Tell us more about how we could destroy the evil sorceress Grandevier. Mozaba yelled, I will hear no such talk. Have you forgotten about the blue dragon Voroltrar? Have you forgotten that the wise Al Orand watches our every move and sends his signal back to the sorceress's crystal bar? But crystal ball? I can take care of old big eyes, said the black cat. Oh, wow. So the revolt. Yeah, someone <laughs> either picked up on that or it's real. Uh, I'll say it's real. Wow. You only go around once. Sure. <laughs> yes, that's... It's like leaving Jack Morris in. Yeah. You know, <laughs> exactly. Extra innings. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and number five. Princess Trina suddenly stopped her horse. The mountain we have to climb to shoot the sorceress great blue... The sorceress's great blue dragon Voroltrar is there, she said and pointed. The mountain rose above the many trees in the central plains of Antigua. It was tall. <laughs> Snow clovered its peak. Princess Sasha, Princess Alexander, and Rebecca were all stunned. How do we climb that? asked Rebecca. We aren't wizards with wands. We can fly up there. Just then there was a fluttering of wings. It was the unicorns. They were coming to fly Princess Trina, Princess Sasha, Princess Alexander, and Rebecca to the top of the mountain. Oh, how beautiful, said Rebecca. They can fly us to the mountaintop, said Princess Alexandra. The unicorns that had landed nodded and said, Yes, we are here to fly you to the top of the mountain. Unicorns had extra long manes to hold on to, so you didn't fall off while they were flying. Oh, that's good. I, I'm going to say that's fanfic. Okay. I'm trying to keep straight the uh, unicorns, centaurs, and then like the unicorn queen of the centaurs yep. or something. I think the unicorns are not centaurs and centaurs are not unicorns, but the head centaur of the unicorns is a centaur, but not a unicorn. Okay. So there you go. I'm done. Right. Like... Uh, all right. Well, you know, I, I, I think you're going to, I think you're going to improve your average here. <laughs> okay. So number one, uh, was Eurowin, uh, hearing with his elf ears, the snakes and the evil snakes. Um, a little too quiet. You said, uh, you said fanfic. That was fanfic. Okay. Written by Stan. Good. Number right. two was, um, what was this? Oh yeah. The Eagle man, Aethro. Yes. Uh, you said real. That is real. All right. Submitted well, by see, John. Okay. I feel good so far. <laughs> now it starts to go downhill. Uh, I mean, well, again, who could blame you? Uh, this was uh, the uh, Wizard Apprentice William encountering a wild boar, which I debated whether to tell you, but the, the wild boar was spelled B-O-R-E the entire time. I don't know if that no, would help. No, it but, was not. And you said fanfic, and that is real. So, <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> long descriptions of a 300-pound, 5-foot-long type of wild pig with a thick black coat. Wow. So we've got that to look forward to. That was submitted by Jeffrey. Uh, number four is uh, the, the two panthers plotting with the, the cats, Joey Boo and Mozaba, the black panthers, uh, you said real. That was fanfic. Submitted uh, you got by me. Chap. Yeah, it was good. You know, I, again, That's good. Why blame you? Uh, and then number five, 
this was the uh, getting to the top of the mountain that is arising out of the plains. Um, that you said fanfic. That was fanfic submitted by Patrick. Okay. So three for five, sixty percent is is. is uh, I, mean, I believe that's you know that's that's batting four hundred. That's a that's a Tony Gwynn batting average here. Uh, reverting to the mean, right? Mm-hmm. My, that was a, a statistical anomaly, anomaly, just a blip when I got all of those right. Well, we do have other uh, challengers, so maybe we'll do another bonus one, I think, uh, as we, okay, as we approach the end here. But for now, we've got to get to Chapter 11 and uh, see how this goes, because a, a lot of good stuff happens here. This is uh, pretty astonishing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of edits made, because as I said, I told you before, I was kind of switching back and forth between the book. I, I, you know, I don't understand they, uh, what, your, what your game is here, but I do appreciate knowing what they cut. They took a hatchet to this uh, pretty long chapter here. Well, I guess it's I, for them. It's probably an average chapter. No. Uh, but anyway, it begins, uh, I think, with a bang <laughs> as the uh, gorilla family mm-hmm. uh, start off on their their quest to the marketplace. Yes. But right in the path between them and the marketplace was a nasty fox. <laughs> now, as a human being. Uh-huh. When I see a fox, I go, oh, cool. Yeah, fox. yeah a gonna, very exciting thing to spot. I'm trying to, there was once one, on a, I, I lived in a, uh, a neighborhood that had foxes, and one came up on our porch once right where I could see it, and the sun was reflecting, so he couldn't see me. So I had a super close-up of a fox. Very cool. <laughs> but the one thing that I did not feel ever was threatened <laughs> by a fox. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't have a... Uh... You don't have a tiny dog that you let roam your yard for, for you know, free. You don't have a, a hen house. So you consider yourself pretty pretty insulated from the dangers a fox might pose. Right. However, the two silverback gorillas <laughs> are absolutely stopped in their tracks, <laughs> stunned, and uh, cannot believe what they're seeing. It's, um, it's, they're terrified. Yeah. So it, it starts to describe it as, as we just did. It says, this particular fox feasted on squirrels. He didn't feast on humans or gorillas. So, all right, that checks out. But he found no problem with destroying a couple of gorillas and a little girl. And it, it goes on to explain that because you're like, well, how could that possibly be? I mean, is he a Tasmanian devil? Like, what is he going to do? The fox wasn't sympathetic to the evil sorceress or the inhabitants of the land of Antigua. He just plain had a very bad attitude. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like so, speaking of tourist t-shirts i had one from duck north carolina that had like this sort of duck freaking out on it and it just said i've got an attitude or i love my <laughs> i love my attitude problem or something like that so i guess this this bad attitude leaves him able to destroy a creature that outweighs him by a magnitude of of, of 60 i would guess maybe a hundred i, I can't believe i don't know we let's go to facts king for <laughs> the weight of silverback well we didn't say it was a silverback gorilla i'm sorry yeah sure I'm imposing that on it. Uh, but foxes can't be more than... 25 pounds? Oh, that would be... I think that would be a very big fox, okay. but I don't know. I, I hate to display my yeah, fox zoological uh, poor yeah, poor judgment. But uh, the he, he did say that he feasted on squirrels. Yeah. So it was, you know, average size. I did note, did not feast on squirrel monkeys. Okay. I wonder if they <laughs> sure. felt... Did they feel left out? Yeah. Of that. Maybe some of the noises they make are, are fox-repelling noises. Right. But then Gordel uh, does the kind of cartoon pulling up his sleeves, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. If it was a cartoon, his fur would kind of go up. <laughs> <laughs> says, stand back, ladies. I'll handle this. Mm-hmm. 
It's going to be good. And, yes. And then uh, they have their little verbal uh, jesting, and then they uh, and then they fight. They throw down. Hell yeah. And uh, no description of a fight <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> uh, once again, no Gordel song. Mm-hmm. No description of monkeys on bicycles. Yeah. Instead, tedious arguments between apprentice wizards. <laughs> Uh, talking again and again about plotting against the evil sorceress. But uh, suddenly there's a gorilla fox fight and things get quiet in the Ellis household. Yeah, this is the sort of thing where like if a if this was a book people respected, like a well-known book and it was a sort of auteur author, the the uh, sycophantic, is that how you say that? The, mm-hmm. the sycophantic fanboys would be like, no, no, he just... He knows that like these are the moments where you really just want to let your imagination take over. <laughs> you know, he he doesn't need to he doesn't need to draw it out for you and that's what makes him great. It, but it, it's, here's how it goes in this book. Gordel said, "We will see about that fox." Gordel Gorilla banged his fist against his chest and began to fight the fox. Gordel won the fight and threw the fox up against the tree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it's like uh, the Batman serial we did where it's like, "How will Robin escape from this train that's on fire and about to plunge off a cliff?" Find out next week. Next week. Robin got out of the train. That's yes. what happened. Like, <laughs> I mean, their uh, their skills at describing action, like many of our authors here on 372 pages, probably not up to snuff. Uh, action is tough to write, mm-hmm. and uh, that's why yeah, you know it's very those, hard. Yeah, those novelists that can do it tend to you know just write it like it's a screenplay and. You know, who cares if you like Stephen King, you add Biff and Whack and stuff like that in there. But here they don't even don't even give it a try. Yeah. We get a boar fight later, apparently, but he can't be bothered to tell us how a gorilla handles a fox. Yeah. And evidently, I mean, that makes it seem like he just like grabbed the fox and just like, you know, bam, you know, hit it with a frying pan like the mouse. But uh, Glender Gorilla was very concerned for Gordel. She said, oh, my honey, are you hurt? Let me see. He had a couple of scratches and cuts on him. He was in a lot of pain, but didn't let the pain stop him. He was also extremely tired. So we know that he got he got out of breath from doing his little dance and song, so maybe that's just related. But the fox got in some licks here. The nasty fox. That's what I wondered. Like, so, okay, a couple of scratches um, and cuts on him. That, you know, that's what I would expect from a fox. Yeah. Like, he gets in a couple, he can kind of grab him. But a lot of pain. So was the fox like working the body? Like, yeah, like he was doing the of... he was doing the wind up like in the cartoon where his his, his forearm twists in a complete circle and then socks him in the jaw. I guess I, I think or, or lifting him off the canvas like uh you know with his with his, like, as he hits a speed bag. Know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think that Bubo maybe should be leading this journey if Girl Cordel can't uh, handle a nasty fox without getting in pain and extremely tired. <laughs> Oh, and so yeah, the fact that he could have was trying to catch his breath was it was it over quick or or you know was it like a ten minute you know cutting to them like chewing their nails yeah. and cutting back and cutting to a dog putting his paws over his <laughs> eyes and stuff like that. yeah, shrieking and no no, no, honey, throw in the towel well, oh. he fortunately survives because it sets up one of my favorite moments of the book so far. They get to the um marketplace. They get to the royal family's tent. Uh, King Arthur and uh, King Lion Thorn is there. King Thomason is there. Gordel, Glender, and Rebecca walked up to the tent of King Arthur and Queen Ele- Eleonora Dora. Gordel said, My kings and queens, 
I am Gordal Gorilla, and this is my wife and baby gorilla, Glendra and Bubo. King Arthur said, Gordal, I know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just like, oh, how the hell are you, Gordal? Gordal, man. Yeah, you've met. What is going it's on? It's so cool that you showed up here. This rules. I mean, I heard about I heard about that fight with a nasty fox. That sounded nasty. Hang on, this must be Boobo. God, look at those cheeks on Boobo. Oh, he's dizzy. Are you filling him up with cow's milk? I bet you are. (laughs) It's like he's been following him on Instagram and he knows about his life. So when you you ever meet someone who knows about uh, things you've done with you've never met them, it's it's an off-putting experience. But it's the king is just pulling it out on, on Gordal right here. I guess that would explain what I thought at first was pretty damn lax security. <laughs> like <laughs> these guys are, you know, preparing for battle or preparing to prepare for battle mm-hmm. to be fair. They're enjoying their last days <laughs> before the battle. And uh, a family of gorillas just strides up to the king yeah. and queen. One of them's bleeding. The, the, <laughs> yeah, the seven are, uh, what are they doing? Are they eating meat pies yeah. over in the beer tent? Reading or GQ and shining their glasses. I guess so. <laughs> but the uh, Rebecca introduces herself. Says, I'm Rebecca. I come from the other side of the waters of Antigua. I come from Wales. Everyone at the marketplace gasped when they heard where Rebecca was from. And I guess that was sort of our reaction too, right? Yes, because she she has alternated uh, Britain, England, and Wales Arabia, in the last yeah, I mean, two <laughs> chapters. Yeah. Uh, so, I, yeah, my, I, I put the note here just to, just to go back to it. I said, I wonder if she knows Taffy. Um, mm-hmm. that, should we explain that? Because no one knows what that is. We 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 looked up Welsh stuff for a Harry Potter riff one time, and and came up. We found a, an old nursery rhyme called "Taffy was a Welshman." Mm-hmm. I, 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 is that the whole story? <laughs> well, it's it's apparently a song, and it goes it goes way back, and it is a, a slam, of course, from the oh right from Britain to the to the Welsh. It is about how. You know, the traits of the Welsh are that, you know, Taffy, like, sneaks around steals and steals your stuff as yeah. a, a nasty little... So it's just a, a demeaning little nursery rhyme <laughs> it was, that was set to music. Um, it's like the convoluted story, I guess, of, uh, you know, Welsh rarebit. Yes. It's that that is a... A slam on them because... A slam because they can't afford rabbit because yeah. they're such or, pathetic... Well, they were bad hunters, <laughs> so if they went hunting for rabbits, that's what they would have to serve you. Right, they have to serve you toast. <laughs> so that's... Anyway, that's what Taffy was a Welshman is. I think and, we... Uh, I think it, the whole joke was like, you know, in Harry Potter, there was always the the minor key, like, la, 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 la. And so we had, you know, people like, sing, what what song would be the least intimidating one to hear a, a creepy kid on a playground singing? And we decided it was Taffy was a Welshman. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's our, uh, that's our knowledge of the Welsh. Yeah. We apologize to all sure, Welsh right. people everywhere. Uh, Princess Trina walked over to the king and placed his hand on, her hand on his shoulder. She whispered with great concern, father. She was concerned for her father. <laughs> You just we want the plot to advance here, but we've got to we've got to spare some moments to, to acknowledge our, our favorite Ellis writing styles here. It is fantastic. Uh, and then we get into so the king knows the prophecy, right? Uh, and yeah. The prophecy, Even though also, he denied it in the previous chapter. Yeah, it's dead. The prophecy's dead. No mea culpa from the king. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, people was, probably was wrong. Yeah, people probably jumped out of windows the night before because they realized the whole you know that's their religion, right? If they're believing a prophecy, that's probably been their guiding 
ethos of their life. They probably threw themselves out of windows yeah. so they realized it was a lie. For the past eight, three to eight years, <laughs> I've relied on that prophecy as my only hope. And we get some very uh, interesting thing about the time frame here because Rebecca says, well, today I have heard something about a prophecy, but I don't know exactly what it means. So has this all been a day? Um... A day since the mermaid? Well, yeah. The mermaids told her about the prophecy, right? So maybe if she escaped her orphanage in the night, fell into the water, this whole thing has had maybe 36 hours to have, of everything we've read in this book so far. Uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Uh, but he says that the prophecy also states mm-hmm. that if the three daughters of the kings and the child from the other side of the waters of Antigua shoot four special arrows <laughs> into the dragon. At the same time, he shall surely be destroyed. Yeah. Uh, why, why are we just starting been, to talk about what this prophecy is? You've been keeping that to yourself, should... King? I... Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the prophecy it's... also says that the, uh, the belly dancers should get in here after hours into my private chambers. Uh, <laughs> it says that uh, the, the, the lion gets extra bones. Uh, and and you just left it to uh, Gordel the gorilla to sort of just wa- you know come upon her. Sure, I know Gordel. The prophecy said that Gordel was going to show up. That's why I was expecting him. You didn't think I I knew who he was, right? Some gorilla that lives in a cave. I mean, come on. We could have been sending out scouts. We could have been uh, you know have our have our wizards try to tell us what kind of arrows. We could have had a crap ton of them made by now. No, I think it's best to have a fair, act like nothing's going on, talk about invading, never get to it, and wait for a, a gorilla to show up bleeding at your tent. And then, but deny the prophecy and then go, <laughs> yes, oh yeah. It. The prophecy but said the prophecy. I would deny it. Whoa, <laughs> who just blew your mind? That's right. But the uh, the special arrows, um, who knows if they're related to the special stick at all, special mongoose. But he says yeah. the, the wizard Vlandorf throws in here to tell him that the arrows are in possession of the head centaur of the unicorns. And she has had those arrows in her possession for centuries. But, so the, the, the time frame here is just very, very off, off put it. We don't know. I mean, is she like the she's the Belladonna up there? She just sort of exists in in a different time frame than everybody else. I don't know. I don't know, but also, again, if he had spoken the words of the prophecy, which everyone knows about, uh-huh. but I guess he was withholding key bits of information, then they could have traded with the head of the centaur of the unicorns. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, given them some uh, some cattle, sheep, and goats, and and, uh, and said, yeah, just give us a pallet of those special arrows. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Why, why, why make us have to go to you? Like, we're the ones, our, my daughters need them, so... Um, I, I don't know. I, I guess the 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 princesses, every single time there was princesses, they, they had to hope that they were going to be the ones that would fulfill the prophecy, but it just never kept happening until the girl from Wales showed up. Uh, however, it is too late because apparently it's too late. There's no way we can get those arrows fast enough. <laughs> uh, oh, and here's this super fast fairy, Everlene, shows up sure. right at that moment. Elverlene. Elverlene. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. And we have seen her before. She had annoyed yeah, right. the pixie Terra by flying so quickly. And that's uh, true. And we, you know, maybe you thought that Terra was being unjust in her quick to annoyance, but no, she was not because you get quite an, she's quite an annoying character and quite an annoying writing style. What happens here? It's so annoying, in fact. But the one, th- so she delights the, uh, the younger crowd. The, the princesses are like, oh, this is, it's the fairy Elverlene. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, that's funny. And the king is just going, like, God, I hate this. <laughs> so 
I wondered, is it like the mosquito ringtone or something, and only people under thirty can ah, see? Yeah, or, or he's just like ah. They only appreciate the the comedy of it, I guess. Yeah, she she, she yeah. flies so fast and disappears as she does it that it it you know it it makes him have the cartoon fairies around his head like the cat who got hit with the frying pan. Right. Yeah. Snaps his head around and and goes, <laughs> and the others are just like doing little, you know, princess claps, you know, with their white silken gowns yeah. on, going, "Oh, you do so delight us." <laughs> but the they send her ever they sell El sorry Elverline to go to the head centaur of the unicorns to sort of tell them that they're coming or to get the arrows themselves. Yeah. No, they tell her to expect the the princesses that are going to come there. And the one, right. the one thing we get about how fast she's going here is that Elverline flew out of the area and up into the sky so fast that fire came behind her body as she flew away. <laughs> Sonic booms. Yes. And, and lighting the actual oxygen on fire. <laughs> like the, uh, the tracks of the DeLorean as it went back in time. So yeah, that's, that's pretty fast. I could see being annoyed by that. Uh, but then, uh, great little... Talk about the lack of action before... Mm-hmm. All is forgiven, yeah, Ellis's, right. uh, because we get a little Top Gun scene as the Owl Orant mm-hmm. chases uh, Elverline <laughs> and uh, keeps up. We were told Elverline was so fast that the Owl couldn't keep up with her. That was, I think, explicitly stated. But the Owl does keep up with her. <laughs> yeah, sure. So she pulls a maneuver. She does the, uh, you know, no, he's on our tail. He's on our tail. I want him on our tail. Like, <laughs> all right, on my move, pull up, up, and hit the air brakes. And then uh, she hits the air brakes, and the owl flies right past yep. her. And she comes swooping in right behind him and acquires target right away. It's uh, <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. It, Maverick! <laughs> yes. And then does the, oh yeah, so then that confuses him so much that he got dizzy from flying around in a circle at high speed, flew right into a tree and slipped down to the ground. So that's the, (laughs) that is the cartoon that you hear the sound of him streaking down the glass as he uh, comes to the ground. (laughs) And then she, uh, what does she do? She, oh yeah, the sorceress is monitoring through the owl's eyes, but then through the magic uh, crystal ball the sorceress's cat is watching the fairy and he gets so dizzy that he sarcastically says i can't take this anymore watching this f- fairy is making me dizzy and then she was so dizzy she bounced into the walls and the furniture in the chamber then she passed out on the floor <laughs> i think the cat is a serious condition it's either you know prone to vertigo or still recovering from the concussion from the frying pan yeah Just the last we left, left the right. cat yeah well she the sorceress did uh sp- spun her around with her Oh, God. Okay. So. Yeah. 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 She said, oh, you think this is dizzy? I'll show you dizzy. Got it. Yeah. So she passed out. And then uh, the sorceress cat woke up, looked around. She was still too dizzy to get up off the floor. She felt like her head was spinning around and around. She moaned and then just laid her head back down on the floor. (laughs) So a full half paragraph was used to describe the cat, like looking up and going, ah, crash. Well done, Ellis. But it just makes me wonder what we missed with the fight with the nasty fox with the bad attitude, you know? It just, it, it's forever going to wonder, like, what if they had been able to do it, you know? Yeah. Uh, but so she makes it to the province of the unicorn, uh, Elverline, that is. Mm-hmm. And as you said, she annoys everyone. Everyone gets dizzy. They hate her, except apparently princesses. Um 
but she she flies up to the head centaur of the unicorns <laughs> and uh this annoying creature does and what does she say she said Fairy Elverlene, what a pleasant surprise. What are you doing way up here in the north? <laughs> or was it said like, oh, Fairy Elverlene, what a pleasant what surprise. surprise. Oh, what, are you, what, are you, what are you doing up here in the north where I didn't know fairies could get to? Huh. Because I'm, uh, I was just about to take Pretty off. Pretty busy. Yeah. Pretty. <laughs> head centaur stuff here. You know, the unicorns, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, so yeah, she knows who she is, and then the the fairy mentions like, oh, the mermaids escorted her through the waters of Antigua, and the gorilla Gordrel helped her through the west to the marketplace. So I was imagining, you know, the head centaur is like, of course, knows who that is, like just like the king did. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone just knows each other. It's like uh, if you go to a school that has you know only thirty people in your class, there's not going to be any real surprises. Everyone comes to the same parties, goes to the same dances. Everyone here knows each other. It's like a uh, you know Mayberry or or uh, Lake Wobegon. Yeah, everyone's in everyone's business, though. <laughs> I wonder, does everyone know the the nasty fox, though? And uh, do they all do they all feel that way about the nasty? Fox? I think it was apparent from seeing him that he was nasty. You know, yeah, he was just like you know mangy and and uh, you know just had a chewing tobacco or something <laughs> like, <laughs> or maybe it was just like you know maybe it was like nasty, nasty, like he was yes. he was a Dom DeMillo nasty. want to come back to my den (laughs) uh so she uh the fairy elverlene annoys flies away from the head centaur of the unicorns and uh and heads back uh but uh they're they're just in a they're at a historic meeting right about what to do about the evil sources guendevier oh my god yeah yeah and this is what king thomason says this is after the meeting King Thomason said, well, then it is settled. We will prepare to go to battle against the evil sorceress Gwendevier. It's what? Zeno's paradox, man. I'm calling it out again. It's in the books. They're constantly preparing for a battle that we're just getting halfway closer to and halfway closer to. Uh These hacks. But it's great in terms of that. So, yeah, they just had the conference. They're preparing to get ready to go to battle eventually. But he says, uh, it's getting late. Let's retire for the evening. We'll prepare for the battle tomorrow. King Arthur invited the three gorillas and Rebecca to spend the evening in his tent. So that sounds like a miscalculation. <laughs> I mean, of all the things you're going to do, like don't Never. invite the gorillas. Uh, I mean, maybe he needs to be, you know, groomed for lice or something. But then he said he also demanded that the Gordles, that Gordel's wounds be attended to immediately. You, you just had an hour-long conference to decide that you're going to prepare to get ready to do something. Right. He was standing there bleeding the whole time. And he, but he, he does ask Gordel for an explanation. He says, why, why do you have so many scratches and cuts on your body? So I do think he, it was sort of like a Tasmanian devil went through and, you know, he's just covered in them. And he says, it was a fox, your majesty. King Arthur said, I will have my knights go see to this matter immediately. King Arthur demanded that a couple of his knights go in search of the nasty fox and bring him to his royal tent. So, uh, I mean, I just, he must have said, go find the nasty looking fox. And they're like, we'll know him when we see him, sir. (laughs) Should we prepare for battle? Yeah, you know. I mean, prepare to prepare, you (laughs) know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Yeah, so that's, he does, they do do go and find him. Sir Barrington. Oh, yeah, this is so good. Sir Barrington captures him, uh, threw him on the ground before the king's feet. The, The fox cried out in pain. 
King Arthur asked, Fox, who authorized you to attack Gordel and his family? Because uh, without her, without the child they were escorting, the prophecy can't be fulfilled. The nasty fox replied, King, I do not care about that child or what the prophecy says. If anyone gets in my path, I will rip them to pieces. The fox was defiant and disrespectful to, my, to the king. So he's just a nihilist. He's an anarchist. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought about this scene because they go out and like get him. And this whole kingdom, you know, the kings, queens, subjects, everyone's happy. Farmers are happy. The people who, you know, do the sword dances and everything. Yeah, and mini wads everything, are happy. Everybody's chasing everybody around. Just the chickens are happy to be butchered. Whatever. Uh, everything is happy and fine in this kingdom of nice people until we get to torturing the ball sack of a fox <laughs> with a bad attitude. <laughs> oh All of a sudden, it's like, uh, take him into the dungeon and uh, y- you know how to find the scrotum of the fox. I- <laughs> yeah, you got to pop it out. It's like it's sort of, you know, it's, it, the fur covers a lot of it. But, you know, once you find it, it's extremely sensitive. And if you think we're exaggerating, it's not. It's, this is something this is something that happens in a novel. That's a hum- that two humans wrote. A king sentences a nasty fox to three months of solitary confinement in his dungeon. <laughs> it says three months locked in solitary should erase that bad attitude of his. If there's anything that solitary confinement and torture does, it improves your attitude. <laughs> the beatings will continue until morale improves. Yeah, official policy of King Arthur. Oh, it's so great. I wonder if any of the knights, you know, as he turned and like, his eyes just glaze over like steely look and his arms crossed behind his back and like the two knights looking at each other like, should we, oh, do you want to say anything like, well, sir, I, torturing a, I mean, he will surely die in confinement. My order is my order. <laughs> yes, sir. We're God. so sorry. They throw him in there. There's a fox skeleton already in the, uh, <laughs> gnaw on those bones. Do not fashion them into a knife like Grigner did. We know that no, strategy. please do not. Wow, astonishing. And then speaking of bad attitudes, Trina is taking a stroll through the prairie, um, or she had taken a stroll, decided to pick a fight with some of the local boys who lived in her father's castle. She stood and watched them for a while, and as she did, she smiled wickedly. And uh, she, she decided to fight boys who are you know playing with fake wooded swords, so they, they're probably around seven or eight. She just you know beats the crap out of them with her special stick. Mm-hmm. Princess, <laughs> the delightful princess who couldn't have looked prettier in her little tiara of rubies and diamonds, yeah, who the, who the... beats the living snot out of Billy, Anthon, and Joseph. Yeah. So this is great. Billy is the brother, right? Yes. Yeah. So yes. I, I don't know if this was in a fanfic or something, but it's. I have never searched for Billy. I'm not looking up if Billy comes back. Do not send in fanfic about whether Billy comes back or not, because I don't. I need it to be a surprise. But this would have thrown off the, the Billy count if I had looked for it. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I think we discussed it at the time, but oh, holy cow. Yeah. I think we might have done it because this has the second instance of someone uh, uh, backing up and falling over a wheelbarrow. <laughs> yes. And when, we, when we saw that initially, I think we, we realized there were two of them. Uh, but seriously, like uh, just wailing on these little kids. Uh, have you ever come across that where you had to... You know, you get some mean little kids and you're a little bit older and you're like, oh, man, I got to walk away. Right. I, I wish I could kick the crap out of him. <laughs> but she instead 
is like walking up to them. She's, yeah, wickedly. She looks at them wickedly. Yeah. I mean, I you know, there is a, a dragon to prepare to, and you, as far as we know, don't have a lot of archery training. You're a special stick girl, so maybe get on that. Uh, and maybe, you know, hey, Trina, mm-hmm. uh, why, don't you, uh, why don't you hit the dungeon and work over the fox a little bit? Get out your... <laughs> right. If you have any wicked instincts, that's the place to do it. It's your aggression out there. <laughs> uh, but the that, that sort of scene exists for no real reason unless she's becoming like Jonathan, you know, a bad attitude like him. I don't think that's happening. It's because this is... No, I, well, it, it's not because... Rebecca is there to unite them. We just get, you know, like like the Wizard of Oz, you meet character one, you meet character two. This is the chapter where w- the worst instinct of Trina, the worst instinct of Princess whatever, mm-hmm. oh, the worst boy. instinct of them, we see them one by one as we walk past. They're like their little, uh, you know, vignettes that we see yep. of them. Oh, yes. my God. So this stretch is, is truly unbelievable. We say it a lot. It's so bad, but yeah. It's, uh, Jonathan is... is Frustrated, he walks away from from William in anger, and William is left there with Rebecca. And uh, he, <laughs> William, starts to opine about about Rebecca's, I mean, sorry, about mm-hmm. Trina's motivation and backstory. And he opines for, uh, I mean, I, I have to imagine it was an entire page of the printed book. Oh my gosh! He delivers oh. three hundred words on uh, on Trina's character. Uh, actually, this might be one of the things they took Expurgated? out. Wow, I think so. Okay, yeah. well, that's—I mean, that's that's good. It, it d- demonstrates good instincts, but also it's a shame. And uh, you know who is not going to be happy about that was the was the people on the on the dark web. Oh, because this yeah. is sort of how how would you know that? I, I went on to the dark web. Oh, you did. I did. Okay. I checked it out, and this is sort of a. Like we said about the prophecy, um, the king had all those prophecies, four girls, special arrows. This is sort of a holy writ of their um, uh, dark web area. They, they consider this, it's like a cue drop. They, they, they think there's a lot of things to glean from uh, the Ellis's motivation in these sections. Because I'm going to spoil it. W- William does this three separate times. They can, mm, they, they, okay. He walks with Rebecca. They encounter the three princesses. William speaks uninterrupted about their motivations three separate times. And then it says, William and Rebecca continued their walk. And the dark web has, has sort of taken upon these two princess. Uh, I mean, sorry, Rebecca from Wales does not talk this. William just talks at her and she is silent as they're walking. <laughs> and they wanted to get into like what she was thinking during this, uh, uh, sure. during this, this thing. So I have the first one here where he's talking about Trina. Let's listen to that one. Princess Trina is still young. Yeah. In fact, all the princesses are. Uh Sometimes they forget what is happening and lose their focus at times. If I could just Sometimes I think that they are afraid of the battle that lies ahead of us and use their egos to help them cope with the situation. He's just steamrolling ahead. This is a frightening time for us all. What the hell is wrong with you? We've been in battles like this before, but each time it doesn't get any easier. He's really in his own little world. Princess Trina is really a great fighter. I could say anything right now and he wouldn't notice. No one can beat her. You know, I once killed a dog with my bare hands. She likes to use her talents to show off. With the other teenagers, it's okay to have pride. Uh, I poison my restaurant leftovers, then give it to homeless kind of people. Pride can get her into a lot of trouble. I'll get you the into a lot of the trouble. Are tired of her challenging them and are tired of listening to her. Oh, shut up! What a great shut up! Soon she will go from being a princess who is and respected to someone who is despised. I despise you. Her reputation and that of the royal family. If she doesn't quit it. 
I can see what by the way you would purchase Jonathan right is clearly way. going to betray she you should at some point. Her talents to teach others to I wish Charlie Octopus had drowned me. She should be training them the way she is Who's going to train Who's this clown? Think he is? That would have been a big help. Oh, hang on. I think he's wrapping up. With the evil sorceress Gwendevier. <laughs> yeah, totally. Wow. Yeah, yeah, so that's you can that's sense her frustration, I think. I don't think she disguised it at all. Right. And then but then the wizard of Prentice William and Rebecca continued on their walk, I assume. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird literary device. They they do these long things, they encounter someone and they they end it with that sentence William and Rebecca continued their walk. And the next one they encounter is Princess Sasha and the uh, the dark web uh, reenacted that one as well. Oh, well, that's good. I'm, I'm surprised. They didn't skip that one? No, this one is, I guess they consider it sort of a, a, a keystone to the whole thing. Oh, you know, okay. the, the middle part of the trilogy. It's the two towers of these. Princess Sasha is a great sword fighter. Oh, but you're her problem fucking kidding me. She doesn't need help from anyone. Four she is trying to be tougher Please help a sister really out. Is. She is so afraid Nasty that Fox? she leans on others, that will make her look weak. Okay, I'm going to will so you to drop failure. dead. It's okay to have and confidence in yourself. Drop dead. Her kind of confidence can put her in a lot of danger. Drop she dead. Help. She needs all of our help. Die! She do this alone. Reach out and accept the help that is her. This she is worse than having a guy explain the Christopher Nolan movie to me. Deep down inside, I think she or that guy that, who told me I just didn't to admit get Joker. We have to all watch out for her. And I'm going to sure cut his tongue do off. Do something foolish. No, I may be going off and get herself destroyed. This is like she dating is a human filibuster. Something stupid that can not only put herself. Spotify should just give this guy their next hundred million dollars. Help sometimes. It's okay. You got a cave full of girls like me. Lean on others in times of need. Is that your plan, son of a bitch? Lean on others doesn't mean that you are. Gonna chain me up and dance around like Buffalo Bill? Also. Why can't Princess Sasha see that? <laughs> I don't know, William. Wow, that's, that's, that's frustrating. She's boiling over, yeah. And then, but then the <laughs> Wizard Apprentice William and Rebecca continued their walk. <laughs> sure. And then the next thing they encounter is Princess Alexandra, and he, uh, he believe it or not, he he opines upon her character as she's she's mm-hmm. practicing shooting her arrows. Princess Alexandra can shoot a bow and arrow better than anyone in the land. Of okay, Antigua. no, but her we're done here. She only cares. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Packing heat from Wales, baby. Prophecy didn't foretell that now, did it? Rebecca continued on her walk. Wow. It's going to be pretty hard to continue your walk after that, William. <laughs> Let the bodies hit the floor. Oh, wow. He's going to look like he uh, had a tangle with a fox after that. <laughs> Nasty. Nasty. Yeah, that is unbelievable. I, I believe they... Uh... I believe they leave that out of the book. That's, I mean, what are you going to do? Like, all we've known is about these three princesses' uh, special abilities with their weapons. And so the fact that we're getting a, a man talking about their backstory probably wasn't super necessary for the 8 to 13-year-olds out there. And also, we have the, the uh, similar thing with the wizard apprentices where everything has to be... <laughs> I, I don't know. Could you have stuck with one kingdom instead of three? Mm-hmm. Just loading the characters and then the character traits. And then you've got the princesses, but then you have the wizard apprentices. Yeah. But then you have the special traits of the wizards themselves. Yeah. The powerful wizards. Yeah. Sorry. Everything uh, you know, Everything gets a trait. Everything gets a create a character mode. And I can't, I, you know, you would, if you did real or fanfic for me about which of the three does this, which of the three is, uses this weapon, which of the three has these parents, which of the three is from this region, absolutely, it'd be dark, blindfolded darts. Well, for sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's why I wanted to, you know, if, the, if there are maps and things, uh, I mean, good, great. Yeah. 
Uh, I liked this part. Uh, they're having sort of a, a squabble between them, probably brought on by William's incessant talking. But uh, Sasha is um, yelling at... Oh, no, Trina is angry at Sasha. And she uh, she sort of is frustrated, and then she misspeaks, and it's obviously a typo, but it's very funny to imagine happening in real life. You think you're something special because of that stupid sword of yours. Everyone calls that sword of yours magnificent. Well, I call it nothing more than a chunk of metal. Damn it. Ch- chunk. You knew what I meant. Don't let that distract from my point. God. It's going to be like uh, three years from then. They're going to be like, hey, uh, check out this chunk of metal. <laughs> well, well, you're a big... Just walk away. Yeah. <laughs> I already blew it. There's no way to land this. <laughs> Princess Trina and Rebecca continued their walk. It must be like uh, when we do Rift Tracks Live and you are in the middle of a joke and you stumble. Mm-hmm. And then you just go like, I mean, there's no point yeah. in finishing yeah. the joke. Yeah, get the studio one, folks, if you want to hear what that was. It's it's amazing <laughs> how that will just, you know, it ruins, it makes something not funny. Stop stopping yeah. in the middle of it like that. It's just incredible. But uh, so then uh, Rebecca walks up to them. And this is, I think, part of the prophecy or part of, you know, her. this is obviously her destiny, I mean, fulfilled, mm-hmm. is that she is able to unite the squabbling princesses. And, and tell them that they've got better things to do. And she walks up to them and yells out, Stop! Please just stop! My goodness, princesses, what are you doing? Tears were rolling down <laughs> Rebecca's cheeks. At that moment, Rebecca was starting to lose respect for all three princesses. <laughs> it was at the moment that she had become a broken shell of a girl. Ah, uh, yeah. All I mean, her uh- dreams. William did talk about how, you know, pieces, big pieces of garbage as they were for three pages uninterrupted. So, I, you know, the lack of respect, you know, you can understand where it's coming from. She was beginning to, though. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. the tears, I mean, probably started during speech one and he just didn't notice. <laughs> yeah, they could be. <laughs> um, all right. Where are we because, well, again, we're, I was skipping back and forth between the books. They reunite. I mean, they. she says that, you know, we've got to work together. Uh, if we're going to destroy the Dragon Voltron, we need to all shoot four, four special arrows into the dragon at the exact same time. So we have a lot of practicing to do. Uh, and then we get this, uh, it says the harvest celebration um, did not continue. The inhabitants of the land of Antigua had more pressing matters on their mind, which, again, they are. <laughs> the more pressing matter is starting to get ready to prepare for the battle. <laughs> Yes. Okay, so this is the training montage, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. That is not in the book as well. Wow, man, they just like punted the whole thing. Yeah. The, yeah. the nasty fox, I assume, was in the book. Oh, yes. I mean, please. It's on the cover. <laughs> Tent pole yeah. of the book. He's smoking a cigarette outside of elementary school and you know, trying to you know, sell uh, uh, baby powder that he says is drugs to the, uh, to the seventh graders. Honey, we gotta hack some words out of this. Should I get rid of Gordel or the Fox? <laughs> you touch either of those. I swear to God, I will cut you. The nasty okay, Fox okay. is the child you never gave me. Okay, okay. Oh, cut the training montage. Jeez, calm down. <laughs> yeah, it says the three of them had to spend extra time teaching Rebecca how to shoot the arrows because she knew nothing about such things. So it gets a little flowery with that uh, description. Um, and we... So we have had bicycles, we've had holograms, yeah. but yeah. but then we this has thrown a curveball at us. Uh, they say that Rebecca has never touched a sword. She says, I've never seen one before. Well, I have seen them on television, but not in real life. Princess Alexander asked, 
You've seen them on a what? You've seen them on a television? <laughs> what is a television? Princess Rebecca looked at her, I mean, Rebecca looked at her strangely and said, never mind. So they, uh, that, that's the one thing that they are, are befuddled by here. Yeah, it, it, it goes into the territory of like, the, you know, Star Trek, like perhaps if I kiss you now. What is kiss? <laughs> what is television? You've, you've seen holograms kiss, right? <laughs> but yeah, you, you don't have TV because you, you learned the expression, my bad, like pretty well. So right. that seems to be uh, prevalent throughout the country. Oh, I'm sorry. You grew up in Arabia, so you didn't have TVs. <laughs> um, uh, so that goes into... Um, an argument between the uh, wizard apprentices. You always have to have the parallel. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is one, I, I can't imagine keeping your, this is Jonathan being furious with William. Yes. I cannot imagine keeping your rage up for this long. <laughs> okay. Because it's a paragraph. Like nothing more than unchecked, uh, undeserved rage. So I, 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 I can only, I can't imagine, I'll, I'll go a little way trying to do it as Al Pacino. Oh, nice. Being, even then, you'd stop me. Like I've, I've, you know, I think we brought it up before that Pacino demands you write him an angry yelling speech in every movie. Okay. So they they always stick one in if there wasn't in one in there before. Oh, that's delightful. The Wizard Apprentice Jonathan became furious with William. He yelled out, "You think you know everything, don't you, William? You think that I'm stupid and that you're a smart one, don't you?" You expect me and everyone else to listen to everything that you have to say. Well, let me explain something to you, William. You don't know everything. You think that you are the better wizard. Well, you're not. I'm a better wizard than you will ever be. I don't care what the wizard Vladimir says. I have just as much talent as you do. I deserve to replace the magic wizard with the top wizard. I promise you, I will put my magic up against yours every day. My magic is just as good as yours, if not better. Do you care to test my theory out right now? And that's wow, bravo! That's his rage. I, the King Arthur tucks his head in. Hey, is Gordel Gorilla in here? What is all that grunting and and posturing? <laughs> yeah, that keeping the rage up when it's not uh, when it's not really earned by someone doing something awful is a very hard thing to maintain. Especially at like sentence three, the person would narrow their eyes and sort of you know they're not feeling threatened at all they'd just be staring at you going like shaking their head going what what, what is happening doing? you know looking around doing double takes to people you, like what what's going does on does he want me to respond i mean is this a <laughs> what is, this is so unnatural and, and and this is coming from me william who just talked to three girls for a page interrupted and i find this unnatural i find that you went on too brother but he proposes just out of the blue here, he says, uh, you know, you know, after that speech, William says, what are you talking about, Jonathan? Jonathan said, a series of challenges. That's what I'm talking about. William said, fine, I accept all your challenges. <laughs> you, you do? Because I've got some really weird ones planned. Like, I was going to have us, like, whip them out and measure. Like, you know, that's like, you know, I was going to have, like, who can, who can eat the most, uh, you know, we're going to grill up Bubo the baby gorilla and, and see how much baby gorilla we can eat. Like, I've got some sick challenges, man. I bought some thousand-year-old eggs, and oh, yeah. uh, we're going to just see who stops first. We're going to snort them. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, that, uh, that's also not in the book. Huh? Very curious. I don't know. If anyone has any theories, please let me know. <laughs> the other, the, old, the one other thing that, uh, that Jonathan yelled when he was getting angry was, uh, for the most part, he's angry at William here. 
but he does get in a good diss at Brandon. He says, uh, you know, Brand, you know, Brandon's a hack. He says his tricks and yeah. smell spells never work. So they are doing a lot of tricks. They're just doing, you know, they're pulling pulling uh, nasty foxes out of hats and stuff. But he says, Brandon needs to leave the school of Landorf and learn to be a carpenter or something. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> wow. yeah, just that's the, uh, that's the lowest blow you can deliver to a wizard apprentice. Uh, but doing tricks, so are they they're doing more than just shooting what, electrical charges from their wands, which seems to be the only thing the master wizards can do. Right. I guess except fly on their wands. Sure, yeah, that's uh, that's master turf. But yeah, everyone yeah, else but, seems to have a pretty good grasp of things. They turn each other into, you know, frogs and cats and stuff. They they talk to houses. Right. But he says, uh, the the way that this chapter ends is that he says, like, hey, like, they're all preparing for this battle they're eventually going to get to, in theory. If this book ends without them doing the battle, and that's part one, like, oh, I mean, please. amazing. Yeah, tre- tremendous. We'll have to write letters to them asking them to finish the book. But they say the wizards are going to be pissed if they catch us wizard battling or wizard challenging. So uh, we've just got to tell them that we're just practicing as we do this to, to be able to destroy Gwendevier. So it's just this convoluted... If they see us doing a challenge where we're eating thousand-year-old eggs, they we got to tell them that's how we're practicing to destroy the wizard. Oh yeah. Okay. So they they're going to do this challenge. Are people going to watch this challenge? I mean, they made the princesses practice their instruments at the banquet, so they I have to imagine they're going to gather some mini wads and elves and centaurs and crap around them. All right. So just for uh, to satisfy curiosity, the end of this chapter is uh, a little bit of the training montage. They hit their target perfectly. They looked at each other and smiled. They knew at that moment they were ready to destroy Voltrar. Yeah. Chapter end. And then chapter 12, when the great wizard Vlandor first arrived into his tent. Yeah. So the whole thing was gone. Oh, wow. Well, they're dialing back on the the angry young men here. I don't know. Maybe they figured they were not being uh, super subtle before, so they wanted to say this is a surprise. And then it says the, uh, so this is, I'm skipping ahead, but only one paragraph, I swear, into chapter 12. The wizard apprentice Jonathan paused in the entranceway and stared wickedly at the wizard <laughs> Landorf. He thought to himself, I have to be clever in making the old wizard believe that this is just practice for the impending battle oh. and not a challenge. Wow. So there you go. It's okay. So they've, they cut that part and then they refer to it later. Yes. Well, I can't implore you don't have to put down the damn hardcover book because it's just going to confuse things as we keep going. I realize that now in the first few chapters, it didn't have, there were just curious little differences. Right. Now it's gigantic yeah. it's, sections. You're, you're, you're just disobeying the canon is all, I mean, so. No, I, re- I read the canon. Yeah. I read, I just, I'm keeping track of it is all. All right. It doesn't know, does no one any good. Well, we've got what wizard I- challenges to look forward to, a theoretical dragon shooting arrows into, um, Fox torture, boar, boar fights, boar, wild boars. Yes, uh, eagle men uh, who are you know <laughs> seventeen but about to turn eighteen. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which I guess is that. I mean, Antigua has the same laws regarding uh, legal adult status as uh, as America does in terms of its eagle men. In terms of Britain, England, and Wales, I don't know. <laughs> so we've got a lot to look forward to. But we, as I said before, we have some great emails, so we really should read them. We're going to the party. We're going to the game. We're going to the dinner. We're going to cruise out, man. We're stealing people's mail. All right. Once again, a lot of these emails come from our Patreon supporters. That's at patreon.com slash 372 pages. Uh, send, us a, send us an email over there on Patreon, and we'll, we'll probably read it. 
Probably. We don't read them all, but we got some good ones this week. This one's from Patrick. Turns out that the island named Antigua in the Caribbean got its name from Christopher Columbus after a famous icon of the Virgin Mary in the Seville Cathedral in Seville, Spain. It all ties together. Oh, yeah. Seville. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, disgusting. Yeah, and you, that's coming from you, who's like had a negative 10 degree day recently, and you still would not trade that for the heat of Seville. Oh, sh- give me below zero any day. <laughs> Jay writes in, he says, the unclosed quote from episode two has finally closed. Do you remember that? The, uh, <laughs> yes, the, I the certainly quote, do. He says, the quote that didn't have a quote, closing quotation mark has finally closed at the end of the princess gaffed at what he saw. So he, he sent us pictures. It was, she said thank you and smelled the rose. The other girls with her blushed and started giggling. That was a quote there. And then we get the, uh, the sorceress's goblin, let Princess Sasha go. Princess Sasha jumped back. The princess gasped at what she saw, quotation mark. So... <laughs> It spanned so uh, the entire thing was a <laughs> multiple <laughs> chapters, multiple uh, podcast episodes. Uh, 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 Brian wrote in and said that the uh, Brian is, by the way, uh, we forgot to address this and he's not set yet sent us in an example of it. We sent Brian a gong because Brian at the end of episode two, I believe, said that he wanted to play a gong at every exclamation mark. Yeah. And then he, he played us a really crappy gong. We sent him a gong. It turns out he didn't even have a gong. He was like banging on a pot or something. Yeah, so, I, f- I felt that gong was so inferior. He was just, yeah. <laughs> so we need to hear the good gong. We, we need to hear some examples of that. But Brian wrote in from the book I wrote back in the day uh, of bad Wikipedia writing, Citation Needed. There was an example about the Country Bear Christmas special. It said, at Disney World, the Christmas special ran until 2005 due to copyrights with some of the songs in the show, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. But it is, re- it is rumored to return in the future. And that, that ended with an exclamation mark and a comment, I don't know, either written by me or Josh Frulinger. You've just encountered the most depressing exclamation point in the history of the English language. So that's probably due for an edit. <laughs> Little did you know. Yeah. yeah. All right. Wow. Here we get to our art challenges. And so these are from our listeners. This first one is from Pat. Pat uh, submitted a map of Antigua to us. So I just sent wow. it to you. You can take a look at that. Oh, fantastic. It's the first of three maps we've gotten. And uh, it, uh, it's pretty pretty spectacular. How do you think that they uh, line up? Well, I'll, I'll send them to you. The next one is from Jay. And Jay, Jay had some trouble. Jay sent us, uh, I believe, seven different revisions of this map. Uh, various emails. He said, I forgot about the waters of Antigua with King Harnaqua. Then he said, oh, they refer to them as provinces, not kingdoms. Then he said, oh, of course, it wasn't until this reading they specified that the waters are adjacent to the westernmost province. So Jay was just, <laughs> uh, you know, at his computer, you know, revising this this map. His, you know, his you know, wife is being like, you know, please come to bed, honey. I am revising the maps of the western waters of Antigua. <laughs> oh, Dad. Oh, this is really good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So the first, the yeah, first one was from Pat. This is from Jay's. Uh, um, uh, wow yeah no this this is way better than i thought yeah. i was imagining just like i just want a tolkien map yeah. but this is and then this one this is good this one is uh from uh jennifer it's the last one i'm going to send you they're all very impressive we will of course post them all um in the uh, in the notes but uh, well done to everyone who did it yeah jennifer, these are good. jennifer also wrote in to say that the uh, santa monica smize cream store has permanently closed uh, oh, okay. devastating! Uh, she, <laughs> the, she did say that the hours listed were open Saturday three to four p.m. and that was the only time they were open. So it probably was hard to <laughs> hard to make your rent doing that. But um, hopefully, it's still able to buy on uh, on uh, mail order. 
Uh, this week. All right. Wow. I'm just looking at the map. All the knights listed. Thank you so very much. Wow. <laughs> the Western knights. Sir Willoughby uh, Star, the most respected. <laughs> um, so yeah, thanks to everyone who did that. I'm sure it took a lot of effort. It clearly did on Jay's part. Uh, this email is from Ethan. He said, I just became a Patreon supporter today, so I'm hoping this bumps my chances of getting this email read. Timothy's abrupt appearance with no introduction in Antigua makes me suspect that so we get a lot of like highfalutin comparisons, you know, 100 years of solitude comparisons, infinite jest comparisons. He says that this reminds me, uh, suspect that he's a memory parasite from Rick and Morty, season two, episode four, Total Recall, where the Smith family is attacked by memory parasites who infiltrate your world by implementing false memories, making you believe you've known them in your entire life, like an uncle, a family butter, butler, or a talking refrigerator. Unfortunately, after the last 372 episode, this theory was squashed with him getting friend-zoned by the princess as the flaw of the parasites was that they've never implemented bad memories into their hosts. Unless she gets her sick kicks from shooting young boys into Alpha the Saddle, it probably disproves this theory. <laughs> so, all right. I mean, I'm up for all, any uh, okay. and all insane theories here. Sure. I mean, maybe uh, William, based on his talking there, that could have been, uh, he could have been explaining Rick and Morty theories if he got to do a fourth, uh, fourth deep dive into a princess's psyche. I have a uh, I have a quick theory. Yeah, um, it'll take just a second. Bubo the gorilla, mm-hmm. our own uh, Rift Tracks own Kevin Murphy on on our show uh, uh, Mystery Science Theater oh. played Bobo oh, the gorilla. Wow, I mean um, that would have been another if that was Bobo, and then we had you know King Thomason. That you, yeah. you start to wonder where they had their uh, where they had their uh-huh. cameras. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe we can get uh, get Kevin to to voice uh, the gorilla since there is a uh, prominent right. gorilla here. Here's uh, here's Dan. This is uh, this is some mind blowing stuff here. He says after Connor asked for the lost work referenced in the end of Antigua, and on some of the archived websites of Derry and Denise and Larry, I began a search in earnest for not only the teenage archaeologist that was the other book they said they wrote, the teenage archaeologist and the land of the Mopec, but other works. Excuse me, by the Ellises. Um, so he, a user named Gritmonger on the 372 Discord went through the LLC registries of Denise and Larry in Florida and discovered two additional titles. So in addition to the land of the Mopec, he discovered Chantico in the land of the Aztecs, which is, a, <laughs> oh, is available. And uh, there's also a book called, all caps, sex, colon, with a cheater abuser addict both written under the names D parentheses Pepper Lois. And he says, what? I was skeptical that both of these books were actually the writings of Denise, but there are simply too many Denise slash Larry and idiosyncrasies that appear in the books to dismiss. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that Denise Brown Ellis took creative control over the teen archaeologist series after the first was published and then heavily revised part two of the teen archaeologist franchise and published it under her new pen name of D Pepper Lois with significantly more violence and sex than what I see appeared in the first one. But wait, what was the title of the last one? Sex with a Cheater Abuser Addict. <laughs> so we'll get to that. We'll get to that. He has some, he has some amazing uh, things about the, the universe of these books. So this is from their first book, which is out of print. Um, there's a preview on Google uh, Books that you can see, but as far as we can tell, it does not exist anywhere. Notably, the main character is a teenager named Rebecca. <laughs> Teenagers quip sarcastically at each other in the style of the sorceress's black cat. And Rebecca also has a brother named Billy. Oh, my God. And they're from England, but not Britain or Wales. 
So they, uh, okay. they travel to an underground civilization in Africa. Uh, they face off against horrible monsters, including a giant gorilla. Uh, but he, he, he can't figure out anything more. So that was from 2010. Then we get Chantico in the land of the Aztecs, which he says is the most entertaining work of the three I read through. It does involve teen archaeologists. It also features graphic violence. Uh, and is what I believe is an attempt for Denise to repurpose the first drafts of what was meant to be the Teenage Archaeologist Part 2 for a more adult audience. I began this book skeptical of whether or not it was Denise and Larry, but after one chapter, I was certain it was them or just Denise. (laughs) Despite being slightly edgier, it features centaurs, warriors not afraid to defend their life, dragons, the land of the dead, and a sorceress who has pet snakes and black panthers. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) And then it brings us to Sex with a Cheater, abuse an addict abuser addict although this book was certainly written by denise it brings me very little joy and talk casts a dark shadow over her whole body of work uh denise's trademark writing ticks are present throughout think irene uh Isley, written in the style of antigua there are several humorous moments but after reading it through in an afternoon i found myself exhausted and unamused characters quipping sarcastically at one another does not make grim depictions of torture any more bearable so he offers it up to us if we want it as an artifact of our collection but holy cow yeah so the tangled web grows even deeper so that's a work of fiction that's what it says i mean i it, you know it sounds it, it's full of several anecdotes with different women detailing their abuse at the hands of cartoonishly evil husbands and boyfriends oh my god so, so, I mean, oh no yeah, so it sounds awful but it also oh, sounds no. you know awful awful like you know um, oh no so I, I think he included some excerpts I, I didn't I wouldn't have enough time to get into them but I'll forward them to you we can see how it sounds wow so yeah who knows what happens who knows what uh, you know oh dear why Pepper's, our Denise and Larry depiction uh, yeah, so, uh, exactly <laughs> oh. it was, it, which is parody and satire um, pa- parody satire um, so but yeah who knows I think ours, wow. ours might have been a little too positive <laughs> I think so uh, and then this one this is you're going to appreciate this one this is from Callum. Uh, he says, I hope this email finds you well, Connor and Mikhail. He spelled our names crazily. He, has, he had his uh, Ellis spell checker switched on. Attached to my yes. email, you will find a super rare colorized image depicting one of the Wizards of Antigua in mid-flight. I hope you enjoy it. I'm going to send it to you right now. Um, okay. And he, Here it comes. He says, uh, it's loading yeah, I wanted up. to get your reaction in real time. okay perfect yeah yeah. so it is the uh it is uh charles nelson riley's character from lidsville previously mentioned on here uh riding a magic wand like it is a surfboard (laughs) quite disturbing it probably belongs on a t-shirt um i assume he uh he 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 granted us all uh all license to reuse it there that's my assumption he works in the film industry in New new zealand has spent many a road trip traveling between Productions, listening to 372. I analyze movies in the same way, and you had me hooked at Let's Expose. Ready Player One. So keep up the good work. It's straight critical. So, yeah, he has uh, the wizard Thrander Fur flying across the battle on his wand. Um, uh, if you uh, Do you have it up there still? Yeah. Uh, just kind of zoom in on the uh, disturbing amount of detail around Charles Nelson Riley's teeth and, <laughs> and mouth and nose. Yeah, area. it is. He's got full teeth. <laughs> <laughs> It's, and the uh, the uh, the makeup the makeup knot around the eyes is very nice. There. Yeah, this is very good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lidsville uh, fan art in the year uh, twenty twenty two. Who'd have thought? 
Yeah. All right, let's wrap it up with some dumb sentences. A sentence begins with a capital letter. A capital letter is a letter that's big. A capital letter is not a small letter. A capital letter is big, big, big. A sentence ends with a period. All right, so here's some dumb sentences submitted by our, our listeners. Uh, Janelle submitted, Gordel, have you been up in the trees monkeying around with all those monkeys? <laughs> Patrick submitted, what is a television? <laughs> Justin submitted, this is part of the entertainment. Uh, Next, the men took the skewers and pushed them down their mouth and put the fire flames out with their mouths. So again, if you you didn't know what they were getting at, you'd find that very confusing. Uh, Mike submitted, uh, no one will rule my kingdom or my people. And he says, I think he means no one else will rule them. (laughs) As the first person possessive pronouns demonstrate, they're not fighting to preserve democracy here. <laughs> uh, Mark submitted they brought in monkeys on bicycles and performing lions and suggested they amend the title to be Antigua, the land of fairies, wizards, heroes, and bicycles. <laughs> uh, ben submitted <laughs> she whispered with great concern, Father. She was concerned for her father. Uh, this is from, I think this is from uh, when the princess decided to fight the young boys. Colin and John both submitted. You could actually hear the banging of their sticks as they came in contact with other with each other which is traditionally how sound works. <laughs> that was my dumb sound. Wow, so that nice. Was, that was burned, wow, yeah. very well done. Nice. Uh, uh, we have uh, Jennifer submitting, <laughs> when looking through the crystal ball, Gwendevier saw nothing but smoke, but after the smoke cleared, she could see clearly, which we didn't really touch on that aspect of it because she was looking at a gorilla, uh, but that's a <laughs> yes. very good way to describe it. Uh, Chap submitted, uh, Gordel asked sarcastically, were you expecting another gorilla? Uh, Brad submitted, he just plain had a very bad attitude, obviously talking about the nasty fox. I hope the fox comes back. Uh, oh, please. Jay submitted, the gorilla dropped his banana, which is, <laughs> he imagined uh, Glendra <laughs> spitting out her coffee as well when the, uh, when the girl shows up at her house. Amanda submitted, it is going to take every man, king, wizard, princess, knight, fairy, pixie, gnome, centaur, wizard, apprentice, and mini wad in all the provinces in Antigua to defeat the sorceress and the blue dragon of Oraltrar. Wow. And she was just, she was just amazed, uh, specific, the uh, omissions and overlaps that the men and kings are sorted out. The kings don't consider, mm. they consider themselves above or distinct from the men. Uh, kings and princesses, but no queens. No females apart from the princesses for all for that matter. No elves. And then wizard apprentices got to make sure to point out that you are not the same as the wizards. Yeah, I wondered about the the nomenclature there with the um, uh, human children and stuff. Like, uh, presumably the kings, queens, and their subjects and everything are humans, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, just the same way as the the, the men in Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah, and so it's weird then when, like, the gorilla goes, where are you going, human child? Right, yes. Like... Well, you're just, you know, you're, I swim in that sea. I don't know why I had to point out that you were human. Right. I guess if you have sentient creatures and, uh, you know, other races that are, you know, building civilizations and communicating, you might not be the the default. It might not be a human-centric world, even though the kings obviously are. Right. Strange. Harris submitted, uh, King Arthur invited the three gorillas and Rebecca to spend the evening in his tents. <laughs> I hope she doesn't have one of her fits. In there. <laughs> yeah, being in a strange area, she might wake, woke up and be disoriented. Uh, yeah. I submitted a very uh, similar sentence to Amanda's, but I'm going to read it to you. And it's again, it's a typo and it's nitpicky to do this, but it makes it much funnier. The head knights of King Arthur's army led King Arthur, King Arlexandrio, King Thomason, Queen Lindrianda, 
Queen, Gwyneth, Queen Eleanor Dora, the Great Wizards, the Apprentice Wizards, the Princesses, Timothy and his parents, several warriors, centaurs, several miniwads, several gnomes and elves, and all the king's advisors to the royal conference chamber. And they just put a, 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 a comma in between Queen Gwyneth, so it appears that the band Queen is also being led out, yes. of, the, out of the hall with my <laughs> King Arthur there. So that made me happy to envision them. They could be singing, uh, I want to ride my bicycle uh, in, in celebration of the fine abundance of bicycles in the land of Antigua. He's mentioning the things that monkeys constantly <laughs> use. We love that. Ah, oh, there we have it. Well, I think that does it for us. Yeah, that does it. We come exhausted to the end of those two chapters. Yeah, exactly. That's it's by far a record, I think, here. We, we are exhausted as Gordel the Gorilla after merely reading two chapters. I, uh, I think we maybe need to do some exercise or something. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Uh, throw a fit, run around in circles. Uh, you'll feel better after that. Go and feed a baby gorilla cow's milk this week. Just, I mean, you, right. you you really stepped, knocked it out of the park with the maps. Now we're issuing you this challenge. Thanks, everyone. This is 372 pages. So long. Bye.